0: Hi people and hello my Chillicon Carnage crew. It is Chili here and we are here for a special episode in regards to Santana. We're continuing on with part two of Santana's rankings of the albums and of course I'm joined here by Woz. Hi, how are you? Good, isn't you? Yep. So we are of course delving into the second part of the series of three. There is... um. The first series of course will be up in this little section over here if you haven't watched it check it out and of course we have ranked all the uh stuff from his latest career basically 2000s and stuff like that onwards so if you haven't checked that out already make sure to give it a look out and uh view that to see how we ranked those albums and that was a tough list i guess There was yeah, a few in there Yeah, it was yeah but this is um part of santana's career that's a bit sorted i Pinchy. suppose <laughs> an interesting <laughs> part that's for sure um before we start career yeah the mid career lull if you will so before we start this episode i just wanted to go over a few things um basically the 90s and 80s was regarded as a low point for carlos santana and he would also be without a record deal for the 90s uh, i'll delve into that one in the fir- the uh, the next album that's coming up but he didn't Yeah, he struggled a lot through the 80s and 90s, basically like a lot of 70s and 60s musicians did, really. Um, Trying to find their... Relevance? Yeah, Yeah, that's probably the best word for it. Uh, The 80s definitely was a change in music scenes and the 70s musicians weren't really keeping up for obvious reasons. Uh, But, that being said, there were a lot of ex-Santana members also releasing solo albums or albums mixed with ex-Santana members around this time as well. Uh, we're not going to rank them, but I just thought I would give a, sh- a special shout-out to a few of them here. There was uh, a Braxis Pool, which was featuring all the ex-Santana members with guitarist Neil Sean, drummer Mike Shreve, keyboardist Greg uh, Greg Rowley, percussionist Joe Arias and Mike Carabello, and bassist Alfonso Johnson. So, interesting little one there. I listened to a bit of it it's kind of a santana knockoff yep <laughs> i think they even covered like oikai um "By magic woman or one of those other oh, yeah, songs yeah. so yeah kind of cash you know the ex-santana members cashing in a bit there but i guess that's worth a listen if you really love your santana um during up uh, post 1992 i should say for santana he got together and did santana brothers and, well, I mean, that was Carlos Santana, along with his brother George, who George. passed away a couple of years ago recently. And also, I think his nephew? son or his nephew? I think it's his nephew. His nephew. Uh, sorry, yeah, here it is, right? right here. Nephew Carlos Hernandez. Um, which was interesting because, well, he'd been around for about 20-odd years by then, and this is the first album they put together. Mm, mm. And I think he went on to do one live record with them or performed on one of the tracks anyway for a live record. Yep. So that's an interesting one. It's really, again, up to you if you want to listen to it. I listened to bits of it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> but I I do have to give a shout-out here to Neil Sean's solo album, Beyond the Thunder, which also features also another few ex-Santana members. And Beyond the Thunder, your... One of my
1: favourite. Yeah, I bought that when it came out on um, CD and... Um... Well, as it did come out and he not record. <laughs> and um, it's, yeah, it's a high high playing, high rotation, I think they call it. Don't they? i played it, you know, at yeah. least once a week for a long time, you know, and several times. Yep. Uh, and I can still go back and listen to it now. It's a brilliant album. It's instrumental. Um, mm. And there's some really fabulous tracks on it. It just blends together. It's just beautiful guitar work and, uh, and tracks. And even with the final track where he uses the guitar to emulate a wolf, <laughs> oh wow! Okay, yeah.
0: I do have to say I was actually playing that record probably about last week when I was editing some of the other videos. It's it's kind of it's weird. It's like it's it is a background kind of music, yeah. but yeah. at the same time, it's not forgettable background music. Ah. It's actually very nice, Neil Sean. It's different to it some out. of
1: his other stuff. I mean, it was different mm. to Journey, and uh, and he he's had another solo. He's had a few solo albums out, but um, his most recent solo album, which I forget the title of, is not too different to that beyond the thunder
0: yeah yeah so yeah look i want to give a shout out if you're going to hit up a few of the uh solo albums i would probably recommend this one above all others mm. so yep neil sean beyond the thunder definitely worth a check now before we get on with the episode there's two other things i just wanted to quickly discuss a quick shout out to jim mccarthy thank you very much for your comments in regards to the last episode we appreciate you for watching this so thank you very much i hope you enjoyed this episode i know you are equally anticipating it so here we go now just before we do jump into the first album have you heard all these albums before we started this yes
1: oh before we start like <laughs> before we started this not every one of them some of them was my first listen to as i went through um and i'll explain that as we go along mm-hmm. i i suppose like a lot of people um found that um uh, Santana during the 80s and 90s. was a bit formulaic on some mm, of the albums. Yep. Um, and there's a few albums... and i would listened to most. I've probably listened to t- two-thirds, three-quarters of them. Yeah. Um, but there were one or two that I listened to for the first time, including some of his solo material. In fact, I found his solo material to be quite good. I mean, a quite lot better than, Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah.
0: I'd say two-thirds of this stuff I haven't listened to before I mm. put myself into the deep end, which is kind of disappointing because... I know San, uh, sorry. I know that Spotify last year said I was in the top 1% of Santana listeners. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. So, um, yeah, retribution, here I come. <laughs> so I'm going to go first into Malago, the 1992 release. There's a quick silver lining I will probably want to point out here that this is an album that I guess many saw as a very low point in his career and would also be a silver lining i guess of sorts because this didn't sell well it was one of his Mm. albums that failed to sell did not you know no no one really appreciated but and, and sorry and because of that he lost his record uh at the time lost his contract he's lost his contract sorry and also it did touch upon um a few other subjects but i'll get go into those later but yeah he lost his contract because this album failed to do anything really and many regard the 80s as, like, his hardest times. I'd say this era up until 1998 was his hardest time because, you know, he was without a record label. Uh, but because of the, um, because of this, we would get the future album, of course, Supernatural. So, you know, Phoenix coming out of the ashes type of scenario, I guess, here. But I gotta say, this album is actually really good. Uh, it's dedicated to. Two friends that he lost just the years prior which is of course miles davis and uh bill graham. bill graham that's right so yeah it starts off of course with the introduction song with bill graham on the vocal part in the intro uh introducing the band at a live section before of course going into the album uh was
1: yeah you look um yeah bill graham died in the year before in a, in a helicopter crash um uh, his helicopter crashed into a high-voltage pole, a <laughs> oh, mm. high-voltage high staunch, and when they were coming back from a concert, which is very sad. I mean, Bill Graham, you know, I, you know Bill Graham's Fillmore in yes. San Francisco and, and then in New York um, were great places. And, and Bill Graham was, I think, it, you know, he was um, uh, a large player in that San Francisco scene and New York scene and the blues and music, you know, generally, um, he encouraged people like Carlos Santana he managed Carlos Santana for a long well, time he pretty much
0: discovered Santana yeah, yeah he did yeah. Mm.
1: yeah he put him on um, when uh, i think Paul Butterfield was too drunk to, to take the stage and he, <laughs> Carlos Santana was amongst some of the yeah. people that he quickly recruited the <laughs> yeah and uh, and of course Mike Bloomfield one of my favorite guitarists uh, who had passed away some years before that um, he uh, and K- Carlos Santana acknowledges Mike Bloomfield as being one of his big influences. Mike Bloomfield worked with the Paul Butterfield Blues Band, but then branched out in his own and uh, and as I might have said to you, I think in the last session, one of the the first time I really heard of Carlos Santana was his guest appearances. His guest appearance on a the Live Adventures of Mike Bloomfield and Al Cooper. Oh, okay. A double live album from yeah. the two guys that had bought Super Sessions minus Steve Stills. Steve Stills was in the. Um, in the studio version, but wasn't playing live. And uh, and evidently on the third night or something, Mike Bloomfield, who was supposed to be suffering from insomnia, was just too ill to take the stage and had to be, you know, just had to be sedated, hmm. probably self, self-usadated, <laughs> knowing Mike Bloomfield. That might have, insomnia may have been an excuse. Byproduct um, of the yeah. effects. <laughs> and uh, Al Cooper had guitarists, guest guitarists like um, Carlos Santana and Elvin Bishop. Um, come in and, and work with him and uh, that's mm. speeches on well, on the vinyl version on side three <laughs> of the four out of the four side album but uh, yeah, so that was um, when I first heard it and there this track opens up with Bill Graham doing the announcements which he always did, or always seemed to do and um, mm. Mm. and then into that live live track.
0: Yeah, of course. I guess the other thing as Walter mentioned uh, the second track, uh, sorry, somewhere in heaven of course mm. once again dedicated to his long lost friends there but i really felt the sadness through his guitar in this track it was just uh, emo- highly emotionally charged i guess song yeah. You know, i mean and the other thing is well these three tracks they're not short tracks all of them are over seven and a half mm. minute long you know the summer in heaven's nearly 10 minutes for example and it is an incredible track you know so this this is um some incredible work out of Santana. Yeah. It's... It, I don't know what to say. It, it, these first three tracks to me are pretty much perfect Santana songs.
1: Yeah, they blend. They They meld into one. And um, Milagro, of course, um, is a non... Uh, well, the word, I'm told, it means miracle in Spanish. Yeah, Milagro, yeah. Milagro. And um, Carlos Santana and his wife at the time, his former wife, Deborah King, Mm. Had set up a non-profit foundation called Milagro. Correct. Yeah, and, um, still goes on to this day, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he
0: does a lot of um, charity work, of course. Hmm. But yeah, it's the the whole track is kind of. Um, I guess one of the other reasons it failed was because there's not really any short tracks
1: on this album as well. Nothing that's really radio friendly, I suppose. Well, it'll make somebody happy. I think would it be the um, the real FM radio, radio hit. I think um, if you were searching through the tracks looking for something, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was a single. It could have been, but um, I don't think it charted very well as the album itself did not chart. I
0: believe, well. if I remember back to my, when I recorded the retro review on Supernatural, I think this was the first album that didn't get at least a gold status. Okay. I think, I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure this was his first that didn't get gold status. Yeah. Um, the other things as well. Adios contains a part by Miles Davis yep. at the end there, so that's a nice little touch, of course. Miles and Carlos, Carlos had a lot of stories about Miles. Uh, there was um, what was it? One of the stories he was talking about a couple of times when he saw Miles, you know, and he came out and we were giving this big hug and be like right up in his face, like this close to him, <laughs> and he said he hugged him but lifted his feet up so he was hanging from his neck, and he just and Santana's like. Hi, Miles. (laughs) But he goes, I loved him. He was such an eccentric character. Um, But, of course, highly personable type of fella, and they worked well to... uh, Well, they did some live recordings much later on. Hmm. That'll be in part three we might touch on there. But, yeah, they did work together with a fair few parts. So, yeah, you know, here is a guitarist saddened by um, the deaths of two very close friends to him mm, mm. and I feel that energy on this album you yep. know yep. yeah it's not that high party energy that would be I guess no. his 80s stuff which would come up but I do feel the emotion that he's putting through these songs yep so yeah look this is um I I, I think this album cops a lot of flack and undeservedly Mm. I I think it's actually much highly I, I rate it higher than well a few of the upcoming <laughs> albums to be fair, uh, and that's why I think I will actually give it the rank of a uh, Carolina Reaper.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I would agree with that. Um, I, I like parts of it. There's um, it, it, it loses its momentum. I think after track occasionally it jumps around a bit i yeah particularly enjoyed the seventh track aqua quiva care whatever if i pronounce yeah. that properly Agua. um it Agua. features a, it finishes off with like an indian style chorus oh. From and i actually looked it up to see who the band or who the singers were it was a group called the bad river singers <laughs> but yeah it has that indian kind of chant yeah and, okay um, okay yeah. so oh, yeah like i not a bad album. Not a bad album.
0: What well, would you give it on the ranking scale?
1: Oh, I think I'd agree. Look, you know, Carolina Reaper. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I rate that higher than a lot of the earlier albums, and even though it wasn't, it was one of his least commercially successful albums. I
0: think it's aged pretty well. Hmm. You know what's surprising? I know Rolling Stone get a lo- a wrong, a lot of the times. Yeah. But at the time of this, um, sorry, when that album came out, they gave it a four out of five. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. agree with four out of five, but uh, it. it they definitely liked it. Hmm. They definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, other than that, it received pretty lukewarm reviews. But, yeah, yeah. look, I guess it, with a bit of age, it's age better than a lot of the next coming It's out. well worth a listen or two. Yes, definitely. Age better than what's coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> So, the next track we have coming up, sorry, track, not track, album. The next album we'll be having a look at is Spirits Dancing in the Flesh, the 1990 album. And, um, hmm, what a 90s sounding album. This whole cover is screaming 90s to me, but what I really hated was that intro with the bloody chicken and the cheap sounding keyboard at the beginning. And I'm, what the crap is this? It's. I don't know. It, it sounded even outdated probably back then. I can't imagine you know, listening to it now and it's incredibly cheesy. Yeah. I really hated that intro. I,
1: yeah, I think this is one of those albums that I did listen to. I didn't buy. Um, good. I listened to it somewhere. <laughs> um, either I heard a couple of tracks on FM radio or... Um, Maybe, you know, you used to be able to go into record bars and they'd spin you an album. You'd sometimes get get ushered into a booth and put some headphones on and listen to it, you know. <laughs> I think you could pay me to
0: put this one on. This
1: is just so... Yeesh. Um, but, yeah, look, I... I, I think there's a, a comment to make, I suppose, about Santana, and um, I, I liken him, not not so much his style and music, of course, but he's a bit like Van Morrison, say. mm um, Big in the 60s, or in band's case, but, you know, big in the 60s, 70s. Um, uh, but they've continued bringing out album and album of new material, which, know yeah, you've got to give them credit for. I mean, a lot of the bands from that era, 70s, 80s, yeah, 60s, definitely. 70s, 80s, they just cashed in and kept on. I mean, if you look at you know, Fleetwood Mac, for example, you know, they're still touring the world, or yes yeah. I heard they were. Um, but you know they really haven't. I mean, they've done a couple of albums. Have they done anything post two thousand? Dance or something? Oh, I don't think that was post two um, thousand. Yeah, I don't think they've recorded and, anything. Um, you know, so they just basically are cashing in on two albums. There, be two big, yeah. big albums. Yeah, um, the rumors and of course, um, Fleetwood Mac have a link with uh, Carlos Santana because he did their um, song. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. And um, and even like bands like the Eagles. Yeah, you know, they yeah, they've they, only had one album. They had a double album out, I think, nineteen nineties or early two thousands. Mm. Um, something from Eden, uh, um, Gardens from Eden, Garden Garden out of Eden, or no, that's uh, in no. the Garden of Eden. It was Gods of Eden. Yeah. Something yeah. on a something desert something or some shit like fresh that. Fresh out of Eden or running out of... Or, you know. I have a hunch, though,
0: you mentioned Van Morrison. I think he released an album just recently. He did, yeah,
1: I know, that's what I mean. Yeah. Van, I mean, Van and Carlos... I mean, I can't stand Van Morrison, personally, but... I mean, I quite like both. Um, but Van Morrison, he's still releasing... A, a, he's still a, he's still doing original material, so he's not just touring the world for yeah. singing Gloria. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Moondance, you know? Um, and some of his... More later albums have been very good. I mean, I find anything by Santana or Van Morrison, e- even a not great album, <laughs> to be still listenable and, and good. Yeah. One or two exceptions. Van's on a, his latest album is a bit of a rant about um, vaccinations and lockdowns oh, and, you know, he's gone into the sake. Andy. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but look, you know, as I said, you, you, they're somewhat for, both of them follow a similar formula. Yeah, um, they still go out and record. (laughs) But you've got to give them credit for remaining current and producing new original material and not just living off their back catalogue. Well, speaking of, actually, I think since we last recorded this
0: episode, I think Santana's put out four or five new singles and a live record. Yeah. Uh, I believe most of them are pretty much re-recordings of uh, previous songs, but, yeah. you know, hey, there's the thought that counts, you know. Rolling Stones are doing the same shit, and they'll yeah. continue to do that for the next 50 more years until <laughs> Keith Richards eventually dies. <laughs> nah, so, he'll be the last one left. Yeah, maybe. he'll be... <laughs> nuclear Holocaust will and he'll be still surviving, going, <laughs> I'm going to get my pack seat. <laughs> <"Hey>, look <I'm> at <laughs> survived, so, look, um, Gypsy Woman, why the hell did they recover this? I just yeah. felt like it was a shit cover. Uh, nope, 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 and nope. Why not be Black Magic Woman and Gypsy Queen as opposed to whatever the hell
1: this is? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I found it's very middle of the road. The opening track makes you wonder if you might be playing the wrong album. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If- <laughs> it's overproduced. It sounds, <coughs> it sounds to me a bit like a musical. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the standout track is Jingo is I found track number nine, Jingo La Bar. Which I think was Which I a think cover. was a, a cover. Yeah, <laughs> it was a cover of their own song, but a a reminder of how good they were. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that and that's kind of the catch about it all. It's just like, okay, hey, you recovered two of our old songs that you really loved. Yep. Hey, remember <laughs> us. I mean, I I thought uh, Soweto was on a bad track. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it Definitely had a hit like that. I thought that was a good song, that one there. But
1: just Tra- the odd sounds. That Tra- just- track, track track number three, It's a Jungle Out There, it, to me sounds like a, a song from a failed musical. It sounds almost <laughs> Michael Jackson style. You know, like, um, oh, we started writing a musical, but we only got three tracks written, so we recorded <laughs> one of them. We couldn't fill in the rest, you know. It,
0: it, it's um it's, it's like, um, what was the word I'm thinking of? Cognitive dissidence or something like that? It, yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> I don't know what the hell was going on, Too many cooks and, you know, um, not enough ingredients or some shit because, seriously, it's like aged milk, this album. It's terrible. The synths are just horrific. yeah, Horrific, I should say. Um, On the whole, it's just...
1: I mean, track number six has a little um, salute to um, Jimi Hendrix. And uh, John Coltrane. And John Coltrane, Mm, yeah. mm, Um, I don't really recognise that. Third Stone from the Sun. Oh, you can recognise... I can recognise that last... Yeah, the couple of seconds from Hendrix, but I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't really... Yeah, not familiar with John Coltrane, but well, you would. I'm, I know his stuff, but uh, I couldn't pick the John Coltrane. Okay. Track so much, but, um, I, I didn't
0: mind that song to be honest. Yeah, I wrote here didn't at the one. yeah, the medley was decent uh, yeah. with a great addition of the Hendrix riff at the very end. Uh, so yeah, look, uh, Carlos Santana, he does some pretty good you know covers. He has his whole career, and he will still do it for the rest of his career, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> number eight. Who's that lady? I. I had a note here saying it should be called What's That Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bad track. <laughs>
0: no, it should be called Goodness and Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so um, this is definitely a jalapeno. Sorry, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> this is a jalapeno for me. It's just yuck. It's yeah, terrible. I,
1: I, I put it a Thai chili, but I could agree with jalapeno. <laughs> I just couldn't rank it on album at the very bottom. I think, but yeah, this oh, is as close. This this, this is probably. You're
0: going to rank it at the bottom. We're going to have trouble with part two, then. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is yeah outdated nineties era. It's outdated eighties yep. era sound in a nineties album, yeah. and the, yeah, contractual obligation. <laughs> Here's your album. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going down to
1: the Baja Peninsula for holidays. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Next album we're following up on is Blues for Salvador, which I think was his last solo album mm. I've written here. I don't think he's done any solo albums, but what is a solo album from Santana anyway?
1: Yeah, I had that. Very difficult to pick a Santana <laughs> solo album from the band, yeah. especially considering the band name.
0: <laughs> and on top of that as well, is they've got such a revolving door of um, bloody musicians, you, you wouldn't notice the difference, really. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, this actually won him a Grammy in 1989, his first. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. not his last, because the next 20 would come from Supernatural alone. <laughs> Nine, actually, I think it was.
1: I mean, Carlos Santana's solo material and some of his solo albums, I, I listened to The Swing of Delight, I bought when it came out. I oh, wow, on a okay. cassette. <laughs> God, I hope, they chewed, the I hope the machine chews it up. We'll, <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go, go to that, that later. We'll go to that later. But this, um, yeah, very difficult to pick as a Santana solo album. It's not like, if you look at bands like, Genesis and Phil Collins' solo career, you can pick Phil Collins' solo yeah. and you pick Genesis' band. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah the you thing is can't. that Santana's such a dominant figure in the Santana band, he's the only consistent member.
0: Well, he's um, a centered and point, it really.
1: Lays, you know, it's all wrapped around his guitar work, and that, you know, the solo material is, you know.
0: It's it's not really
1: a solo album, truly, nah. is it?
0: I mean, like you were saying, I guess Phil Collins, you know, when he did his bloody, uh, you know... Face no, value or Face something. value, no jacket or whatever it no is. No jacket required. Yeah, um, or... Even... Oh, shit. What's the other guy it's from Genesis? Oh, um, Tony... Peter, uh, Gabriel. Peter, Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. Oh, and his before. solo yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah. or would become solo stuff, yeah. very different to Genesis. Again, yeah. even Genesis in the 80s still sounded different yeah. to Phil Collins in the 80s. Yeah,
1: and Mike Rutherford, who, you know, the guitarist with Genesis, he ventured out on his own and um, mm. had a couple of hits and albums and all that, but it was again... Very, very different. Yeah. Mike Rutherford wasn't the singer with Genesis. No,
0: but I think that really boils down to the fact that it wasn't a revolving door at Genesis. It was pretty centred members, Mm. you know, and they each contributed a fair amount, while Santana's band were pretty much, I don't want to write them off, but they're pretty much studio musicians. A lot of them, yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, percussionists, okay, cool, yep, no worries, but they're very interchangeable, Mm. except for... Some of the earlier guys, I guess, which, you know, if you want to be a, a fanatic, you know, Jose was bloody the best percussionist, sure. Okay, mm-hmm. if you want to say that. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's playing three bongo drums. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but it is a bit of an easy instrument. Anyway, look, it really boils down to trying to get the band to gel. And, and for this, it doesn't really sound any different to any other stuff. That would come later. But at the time, it does sound different to what was uh, his previous album before that, Freedom. So I found like it was on track number two, for example, more stripped back uh, in the the song itself, you know, while the album that came up was more layered, I guess, and stuff like that. This one was much more stripped back, more back to basics kind of sound, and it was good.
1: Yep. i liked you know it was a return to form mm. kind of thing for him uh but yeah it was a pretty decent album and tr- tracks like train and mingus mm. um you know tributes i suppose to two of his favorite um jazz musicians john coltrane and charlie mingus charles mingus okay yeah um you know so yeah no i i didn't mind this album i, I it didn't rank all that high but um it wasn't a bad album it wasn't bad i well, got I, a sorry you got? i gave it a, a ghost pepper
0: okay Actually, I gave it a ghost pepper too. Mm. Yeah, I thought it wasn't bad. I had a few other things as well about this album. It's got a uh, Buddy, Buddy Miles from Jimi Hendrix's mm. Band of the Gypsies joins on track five, Deeper, Dig, Deeper. So I found that a little interesting tidbit as well. As well as jazz drummer Tony Williams joins on track four. Mm. Mm. You're all familiar with Tony Williams? Tony
1: Williams, yeah. Well, he was the drummer with Miles Davis. Correct, yes. He was called the Mozart of drumming. <laughs> He was only very young when he started out. Oh,
0: okay. Um, Yeah, okay. Since passed away. Yeah, um, I would have thought Bonzo. No, Bonzo was
1: it? Well, probably in rock music, but... uh, Yeah, I guess. But um, Tony Williams was an excellent drummer. Yeah, okay. And both... um, Well, Buddy Miles and, and Tony Williams have both appeared on other albums with Santana.
0: Yeah, fair enough then. Yeah, there is also a live track, I think it was. I can't recall which one I said here. Oh, Now That You Know, which is a bit... Oh, the 10-minute track.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was a
0: bit... Meh, nothing <laughs> special. But look,
1: you know... Well, sometimes they take a live track and use it as a filler. Yeah, so,
0: I mean, <clears> Hannibal... <throat> Br- like, Hannibal is a good track on that one as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the last two tracks, I think, and the Bella, for mm-hmm. me, very solid. Yep. Yeah, but no, uh, definitely... So goes- a lot of
1: his regular players, Alan Pasca, Paul Recall. Yeah. And, all, Charles and Chester Thompson. Yes, Chester Thompson. His brother plays in Genesis.
0: Uh yes, yes. And he would appear, I believe, on Supernatural for one or two yeah, tracks. Yeah, Or was he a studio musician? I can't yeah, remember. His brother was he a was definitely there.
1: backup. I think he's a, he, he's a backup. He's the concert drummer for Genesis. Yeah. He was. Genesis ceased. Yeah, just, ceased now, just
0: now. Yeah. <laughs> They had the wheel on Phil Collins for the last song. Yeah. Unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely a Goes Pepper. Pretty good yeah. album. The following album that we have up next is 1987's Freedom. You're going to have freedom from this album here. I don't know about you, but from the opening, it's. Jeez, it's got that 80s vibe hard. And I just. Ugh, I don't know. 80s songs in particular can be a hit and miss thing. You can have some real good ones, and then you can have some real shit ones. But mm-hmm. it definitely reeks of that 80s
1: sound. Yeah. You know? Got Buddy Miles on vocals. Ah, mm-hmm. yes, he's rejoined for mm. this one. Yep, yep. And of course, um, Carlos Santana and Buddy Miles did a. A live album, two or three years before that. Okay. Um, okay. Where was it recorded? I think it might have Europe Hawaii. Really? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, okay. And I, um, I bought that. I bought that double live, Buddy Miles and Carlos Santana, on vinyl. Yeah, right. Was that the Viva la? No, no, that was a different no, album. That was no, a different one. No. It had a, it had a number of long tracks on it, mm. and uh, including. I think Side 2 was almost just one track called Freeform Funklified Filth. <laughs> and it was just now Carlos got to Santana to that one. <laughs> and, and Buddy Miles, because Buddy Miles, was, of course, was the drummer. Okay, so... Who really like... was a member of Band the Gypsies with Jimi Hendrix. Just a yeah. massive free jam, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it had um, them changes and, uh, you yeah, know, some Buddy Miles stuff as well as Carlos Santana. I, I liked it. It was a... It's a long. It's not that long a live album, but um, you know, it just melds. This thing There's five tracks on side one, and one on side two, and they just kind of flow together. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's
0: all you can ask for with a with something like that. Yep. If there's a good jam, you'll listen to it. I don't yep. care how long it is. Yep. You know. Uh, look, the first track is both parts good and bad it's got a decent hook but at the same time you know it, it just kind of falls short falls a bit flat I guess uh, we also had the return of Greg Rolley on Keys yeah, yeah. so yeah there was a few actually um, members I think Alfonso as well uh, rejoining I think around this time or maybe the, a couple of years prior but there were a few members who were coming back into the fold on this these albums in particular so uh, you know it's it's got well Greg Rowley on keys and I'd say that's a pretty nice point but I I don't really feel his vibe on this album that's no. for sure no. uh <laughs> I wrote here uh love is you sounds like Santana jam into elevator music
1: yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that gives you I guess an idea on where their headspace was in regards to writing of this
1: yeah I found this a boppy kind of album um I don't think I had listened to this one um Until I was doing this, Um, the title track or the Songs of Freedom track, and um, Deeper Dig Deeper, they were to me um, good bouncy tracks, but you know, not not nothing I would. This is this is not an album I'd necessarily go back to and play.
0: And Deeper Dig Deeper was actually on his pre was on the uh, Blues for Santana Blues for Salvador album. Yeah, so it was a re-recorded song. (laughs) 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 Didn't even you didn't even have the courtesy to wait 20 years.
1: That's right. <laughs> um, the final track I found a "Victim of Circumstance." It's almost hard rock. Okay, and I think from what I read with regards to Santana's, you know, time or that, at this particular time, I think he himself was pushing more towards a jazz orientation. But his um, producers, managers, they wanted record rock. companies. They wanted a rock. They said, you know you'll you'll miss you'll miss the boat. You'll you'll be pushed off the bus.
0: I definitely can feel that in the album. It's much more rock-orientated. I think he was trying
1: to satisfy... Yeah,
0: it it kind of is a clash, kind of like the album cover here. It's kind of a clash of just shit. Um, It doesn't know where it wants to be at times, but... Praise feels with like uh, praise feels a bit out of place. I guess it's too poppy. It doesn't feel yeah. like a Santana song. Mandela, Mandela. is an odd
1: piece. Hmm. It works somehow a yeah, bit. Yeah, I think it's but... up to me that's the standout track. Mandela.
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind that one. I thought for me it was uh, she can't let go and before we go.
1: Right, oddly enough, go on both of them. I think but Mandela finished off with a bit of flute playing. <laughs> but what sounds to me like a bit of flute playing, Oh, well, with Jethro Tuller? Ian Anderson turned <laughs> <up. laughs>
0: And my introduction? The intro band. Ian Anderson. But, yeah, look, uh, what else was there? Uh, Before We Go was co-written by Jim... Oh, my God, I can't write my... Capaldi. Jim Capaldi from, from traffic, traffic fame. drummer from Traffic. Yes, and that is a good track, as well, mm. I said. Yep. Um, what else was there? True 80s album by famous 70s musician that is below average. <laughs> to me, it is a Thai chili album. It's a disjointed, dated, and missed opportunity to get back to roots. Yeah, So, Thai chili. Though. Thai chili. Yeah, I agree. We go back into the next one here, and we've got Beyond Appearances with 1985, that release here. This album cover is, I'm not even sure what to make of it, it's neon-ish, it's definitely that 80s kind of vibe, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's just the vibe. It's the vibe. I'll edit something there quickly. <laughs> but yes, the first song sounds like a song by the police, it has a great energy and sound. <laughs> I didn't mind that, I like the police, so for me that's a bonus. But it does sound a bit disjointed when it comes to Santana. Uh, but look, I mean, he brings his
1: guitar to the
0: mix. And... Yeah,
1: again, I think this is one where he's more—it's more pop music, yeah. short tracks, all vocals. I think um, definitely, definitely, yeah. So I, 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 again, I'm not sure if I had listened to this album, I might have given up on some of Santana's <laughs> stuff by then. But um, I couldn't blame um, you, because <laughs> don't forget when this was released and those times, if you wanted to listen to an album other than borrowing it from a friend or going to a record bar you had to buy it you know you had to invest the money and you yeah know. and you'd, kids these days don't know how
0: easy it is to just access yeah. music
1: <laughs> you generally try to uh, you know like ration what you're going to buy you know I used to set myself alright I'll buy one or two albums a week um, you just can't buy everything by everybody and I was never one even with some of my favourite artists like Neil Young and so on, I never went out and bought every one of their albums. You know, like
0: You wouldn't want to, especially eighties <laughs> yeah, Especially some, the eighties yeah, era.
1: Yeah, that's right. And every artist has their lulls and their period of, you know, um you know, where it gets a bit um ho ho hum and Yeah, um, yeah. And I think Beyond Appearances also was um one for um Santana. Yeah, it was um, definitely um track a bit number seven Ask... um uh, track number six asks who loves you and track number seven tells you I'm the one who loves you. <laughs> I don't know whether that was intended. you know? Like, yeah, uh, was that
0: an intention? Was that a two-parter? <laughs> I don't get what's going on. Okay, I didn't even notice that one. <laughs> oh, that, you could have left it a bit. You could have left a bit of a question mark there. Yeah. I did have a as Well, actually, here uh, Greg Walker and Alex Lingerton joining the vocal duties. So it looks like there's oh, actually yeah. two of them. Um, I think Greg Walker was... That one of the have... originals, I believe.
1: Yes, um, I mean he did sometimes use more than one vocalist, of course, on an album, and uh, mm. I'm not sure whether this was the one where Greg Walker might have been coming in or departing. I'm not sure, and the other one, you know, um, but yes, he did use. Um, mind you, Saint, Carlos Santana himself often credits himself with vocals as well, but
0: oh, would oh, he be writing it? Surely be he wouldn't sing in it.
1: I don't think he sings, does he? Oh, I I think he chants.
0: Yeah. yeah that counts
1: <laughs> whether they've got his microphone on or not when, he, when he's live but yeah
0: the other part as well i actually had a note here there were two chester thompson's in the band at this point as yes well. there were yeah, yeah there was chester there was <laughs> chester thompson chester, yes yep yep there were. there
1: were there was a two two chester thompson's it's not a mistake chester d thompson I think, yeah is and chester, chester thompson.
0: t thompson i think it was yeah. or something it was it was very yeah, it was very weird. similar it was weird Chester, yeah, Chester D Thompson on drums, yeah. and Chester C Thompson, oh my god, really on keyboard. Okay, so why do they call them D and C? A <laughs> D. Yeah. Give
1: us a, give us a bit on keyboards, will you? A T C. I'm looking for Chester. Chester. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. no,
2: no, no, Chester not Thompson. you, him. <laughs> god, that would it's be. It's an weird. unusual name,
1: for the get yeah. Double up in a situation like that where you're playing in the one band. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I... <laughs> Imagine being on stage You're introducing, I want to introduce Chester Thompson on Keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Walk and on stage. Chester Thompson. <laughs> the audience are already going to go. He's lost it.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's had one too many. I can't state yeah. this anymore. Um, But it was... Yeah, that was an odd one. I I had a note here that Alex sounds a lot like he was trying to capture Phil Collins' vocal range in here. Yeah. Uh, Styles, for example, written in sand. So, I don't know. To me, when I was listening to that track, I just... I thought... Did I say written in sand? I don't think that's even... Yeah, yeah, written in sand. Sorry. Um, It does come across as Phil Collins-ish. Yeah. You know, um... I mean, I'm not complaining. Phil Collins is a decent vocalist. Yeah, yeah. It's an attempt
1: to be that rock band that I think his management and record company wanted.
0: Definitely trying to emulate the sound, I guess, of a famous... Well, Phil Collins was probably the biggest star of the 80s, so... Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah he was the be, Elton John of the '80s. They actually. would be
1: pointing to Phil Collins' you know, material and saying, "You got to sound like that."
0: <laughs> Which is kind of funny because thinking about it, I mean, the guy looked nothing like a rock star in the '80s. He was half bowled in <laughs> yeah, by that yeah, stage, you know. Right. He's a rock star. We want him to look okay. Well, he's talented. Sure, we'll do that. Then we'll run with that. Yeah. So well, look at yeah. Elton John. Well, that's true, actually. Yeah, looks well, no, more like a bank he? clerk. <laughs> <laughs> he's an accountant. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was good at counting. Okay, we're going to that joke. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many ways to end that one. So type in below what you thought would be the punchline. <laughs> I even
1: saw a review of oh, I don't know Pink Floyd or David Gilmore solo, but someone said, "Oh, you know, looking at David Gilmore solo, I'm looking at him, or you know, looking at David, David Gilmore on stage, he, he looks more like a London architect." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. I believe in his <laughs> 80s. Particularly when he had shorter hair. and then Yeah, well, when hair. he cut it down, he had yeah. his
0: long flowing hair from the 70s, yeah. I guess. You know, we, hell, we all get old, we all change <laughs> our hair. That's why I wear a hat most of the time, <laughs> to avoid what's beneath it. Uh, the first half of this album, I thought sounded better than the second half. It kind of just, you know, falls away after that and becomes bland and nothingness. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, it's a surprisingly good album. Uh, it doesn't exactly sound like a Santana album though it it just I don't know how to say it really it, it, it's the furthest the way Santana's ever been from his sound but at the same time keeping it a bit in line compared to some of these other albums so yeah I mean it's an interesting album but it's just not a,
1: a real Santana album I guess as I would say yeah. a
0: decent surprise yeah
1: yeah look so, it's Lucas listenable but um... I wouldn't have it on high rotation. No,
0: no. I uh, I did say this was the best album from the 80s so far, which is not much to go from because there was only two albums before that. <laughs> so maybe this is the best album from the 80s altogether. Maybe. We'll have to see. But, yeah. Uh, for me... Where did I rate this one? I, I, I guess Ghost Pepper.
1: Yeah, I probably went more towards Thai Chili. Yeah? Um, okay. Yeah, I didn't... I just... Didn't you know what? Like it. No, I'll, I'll bump it, it down to Thai chili as well. Too much of a formula. Um, yeah, formulaic.
0: Yeah, it just, yeah, it becomes a bit bland. missed its mark. Yeah, it becomes a bit too bland later on in the album, so I guess, yeah, I'll bump it down to Thai chili as yeah. well there. Um, an interesting fact as well. I was thinking to myself just before we were recording this yesterday um, is how many of these songs actually made it to uh, Carlos Santana's This Is Santana playlist. Hmm. So obviously every musician that you'll see, they have kind of their best of, their favourite works or whatever in a playlist, as you would know from Spotify. And I thought to myself, out of every one of these albums that we're going over, how many actually made it onto his I think it was 55 songs, all right? It's a a near four-hour playlist. If you had a guess, how many songs would you guess? What, from this album? No, 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 from Mm. this era of all these albums Um, that we're going over.
1: Look, I don't know. I mean, The Essential Santana or whatever, you know, all those kind of compilation things. Make Somebody Happy, I've heard on, you know, some of those tracks. um, Mm. Half a dozen?
0: Half a dozen? Yep. It was four.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And nowhere near the... And, and is that chosen song,
1: by Carlos himself? Do you I know? don't or, know. You it's know. probably
0: some management thing, <laughs> but I just, I was looking at it and going, look, it might be five or something, it might be from a live recording or something, yeah. but I was looking at it going,
1: shit, really? Well, some okay. of these albums, they do date. I mean, you know, like uh, they yeah. are aimed at a particular era and uh, yeah, they definitely are. You know, if he was trying to emulate Phil Collins and the success that Phil Collins had, which, you know, I suppose from the point of view of his record company and management, they would have wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he had some big selling albums in the, in the, you know, late in the early 70s.
0: Yeah, of course. And that will be the hard part, of course, getting mm. to that part of the thing. I mean, yeah, it, look, the he's 80s. like f- a
1: lot of artists from the 60s, 70s as they got into the 80s and disco and, um, rock, you know, more boppy rock. And, uh, yeah. and then, of course, the, um. They were trying to make it with the times. Yeah, the advent of, uh, you know, some more grungier <laughs> material. Or well, grunge killed off pretty yeah. much all the 70s artists when it came down to it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they just found it hard to be any particular meaning, you know, like, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's inevitable. It's an, inevitabil- it's an inevitability of music, and, you know. really. Yeah, You're going to make a beer, you've probably got 10 years, I'd say, and then... After that, you're going to just fall away because, obviously, the newer generation comes in. They don't give
1: a shit about Santana.
0: Yeah. They want to listen to Billy Joel or some shit. I
1: don't know. What about Billy Joel, they probably want to listen to Punk. You know, stuff yeah, well, like that. well, Punk also That's was a big killer, I guess, <laughs> as well. And you know, I read once that Johnny Rotten bumped into Sid Vicious the first time they met, evidently, and um, oh, yep. Johnny Rotten was wearing a T-shirt saying, I hate Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what drew him to it. He said, Ah, oh, me too <laughs> <laughs> Actually, weirdly
0: enough, um there was a scene, there was um an interaction between Sid Vicious and Freddie Mercury. Oh yeah. And it was around about the time of seventy five, seventy six they were recording in the same studio, I believe, or pretty much in the same area, and Freddie Mercury had just come out saying he wanted to bring opera to the people, yep. and Sex Pistols were Sex Pistols shooting up heroin in the middle of <laughs> recording, and you know a bass Branded player, beer guts. yeah, and Sid, well, not even beer guys, they were just anyway, but you know, and the bassist wasn't even recording the bass lines, the guitarist was. Thank you, Johnny Rotten, for that. But <laughs> anyway, Sid vicious bumps into Freddie Mercury in the middle of the hallway or something, and he makes some quip at him about. Oh, whatever. Not being you know, oh, how's that opera going to the people? And he d ter- Freddie turns around, grabs him by the scuff of his shirt, lifts him against the wall, and he goes, You fuck off with that. I'll beat you any day this week. He was rough as guts for Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And I did watch the um the, the movie. The movie just recently and I felt they missed an opportunity with that. That could yes. have been a nice little scene to show that the guy was a badass, so <laughs> All right, well, we just mentioned dated music, so we're going to launch into Havana Moon, his <laughs> solo album here. Uh, 1983's Havana Moon, another solo album. Um, yeah, okay. Blues rock grounded record compared to previous albums, I got noted. I, I don't know what to make of this shit. <laughs> it's, um yeah, it's an interesting album. It's very weird, though. A lot of songs covers... There's a lot of um, cover tracks mm, here as well. Mm, mm. Uh, what is it? Lightning by uh, Booker D. Jones, I think. Yeah. But most of these covers kind of remind me, I guess, of like yacht rock or something like that, <laughs> uh, or lounge Axe. Yeah. It's it's yeah, you know, it's very average. This whole album is pretty damn average.
1: Yeah, I um, I had listened to this album years ago, and wasn't overly impressed. Yeah, you know, like that. Yeah, I thought it was pleasant, but it wasn't something I'd go back and listen to again. Um, but I liked it more this time around. I, I liked, uh, in fact, I liked um, his solo material more um, on this listen.
0: Yeah. Um, okay.
1: It's the album starts off very rock and roll with that, that first track. Watch your step. Um, yeah, definitely. Bit, you know, okay, that sounds you know. Um, the the title track of course is by Chuck Berry <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that gives okay. you an indication yes um, and number two of course co-written with Booker T um, so you've got an idea of how the album will go um, it belies the cover photo you've got this peaceful looking you know I, I look at that cover and it's almost like a Caravanserai cover you know you think oh, this, oh, yeah. this is going to be lovely Latin jazz you can put on on a Saturday night dinner and you know, yeah yeah okay um, okay and uh it'll just flow you know quiet guitar work you know carlos santana on his own with a couple of musicians backing him up but it's it's not um and you know i track number four which i, I quite like Mudhouse. but he sounds like jj kale he's playing like a jj kale kind of uh, yeah it, style. It,
0: it kind of jumps around a lot there's yeah. like it'll be quite one track and then the next track it'll be this loud, obnoxious kind of rocking thing and yep. it, it, I just don't think it knew what it wanted to be. No,
1: he seemed to be all over the place again, I mean, he might have been, uh, you know, some of this stuff obviously artists record in different ways, sometimes they might record a couple of tracks, you know, in London then they're off to America for a while, they record a couple of tracks, there. it could be months and months between tracks. Yeah. I yeah. find some of the better albums are probably ones with a band or the uh, they're all focused together and they're, you know, like Exile on Main Street, Rolling Stones, they all crash yeah. into one big house in France and and that Maybe kind in, of works recorded, better as yeah. well. Um, it's not to say that, you know, this idea of recording in different places, different times, months months apart, is not not good. I mean, I'm sure there's great albums that have been done like that. Probably. Of course. Um, Usually not. But, uh, <laughs> but this does sound a little bit like, you know, like he did a couple of tracks and he decided to, you know, go on holidays or do a tour. And then he came back to it. And um, yeah. even that title track, Havana Moon, um, it's, to me, played with a real Coltrane beat. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, I can see a love supreme in that.
0: Yeah, okay. okay. I didn't even hear that the first time yeah. through. I, I noted that for me when I was playing it through Tales of Kilimanjaro, yeah. uh, the track that stood out, that was the first yeah, track I, like, I yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. So there were six tracks that I listened to and went, yeah. And then I finally got the Tales of Kilimanjaro and went, yeah, that's a good track.
1: Yeah, which that was when I first saw that track, I thought, oh, that, that was the name of a Miles Davis album. Tales of something from Kilimanjaro. Was it? I think so. I thought it was a Dale. heavy
0: Hancock. Now I got to look that yeah, up. Yeah, I've to look it up. Um, if you look, if you just want to go on for a yeah, minute, I can um, look up something. Of course,
1: you got Alan Pasca there, who had worked with, know um, yeah, worked with Santana quite a bit, and he himself was a, is a solo jazz artist as well. Um, okay. Okay. Daughter of the Night is the real Santana FM material.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, that you that, that that is a track that I have heard on compilations and other things, um, and probably on the radio. Um, one of them I think has got Willie Nelson on vocals, I'm not sure, but they all went to the what was it? Oh, they,
0: There's a Willie Nelson, they all money. went to
1: Mexico. Listen to that. <laughs> the vocals on that, I must admit, I didn't check on this, but to, I've got a note here that sounds like Willie, Willie Nelson on vocals, um, but it's got a real Jimmy Buffett <laughs> feel about it, you know. Um, so, imagine
0: willie nelson and jim <laughs> santana jamming for a song yeah i just okay
1: they, and they all went to mexico i mean as i said it's as, a, as one does it's in america jimmy I, again i didn't look up to see if jimmy buffett had done this song because he does a lot of songs and material about that part of the world yeah and um yeah and, <laughs> and i'm pretty sure it's willie nelson on vagal so if I don't know so whether it's not come even a note mates. There's not
0: even a note or anything on here, Oh, well, maybe okay. it's
1: not. Maybe it's just a guy who sings sounds a lot like... or is able to do a Willie Nelson. Well, whoever um, you are,
0: if you're not Willie Nelson, congratulations.
1: <laughs> that's that's impressive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I had here a daughter as a cover of a Jim Capaldi disco song, which is a very odd choice, and it just doesn't work on this album. <laughs> Considering disco had been dead for about four years, yeah, yeah I don't think that's going to really land well here. Uh, also Verde Tropical has a Carlos. Sorry, Ver, uh, the last track Verde Tropical has Carlos Santana's dad singing on it, and this song was actually used to serenade his mother.
1: Okay, yeah. so
0: a nice little, I guess, nod to family, of course, there. But overall, this is just a bunch of weird songs which were covered. That sounds like a lounge Jack Santana, which <laughs> lacks focus and direction, in my opinion.
1: So. Yeah, it just gave me a new appreciation of his solo work, but as I've said a few times, it's very hard to differentiate.
0: Yeah, I feel like if you can't put an album together in one, well, in a very small period, you probably shouldn't.
1: And I'm only making that assumption. He might have Mm. recorded this one afternoon. Yeah, (laughs) well, he might have.
0: If he did, I'd be very disappointed. But I I would assume that he probably recorded over several instances, and I think that's where it suffered. You know, if you can't record it, all in one outing. Then you're going to end, end up with a Chinese democracy kind of situation where oh shit, there's disjointedness, and that's what yeah. it feels like. For me, Easy Jalapeno, I will just never listen to this album again. <laughs> Except actually, without without uh, Tales of Kilimanjaro, that's actually saved to a playlist of mine now. That I thought that was a really good track. Yeah. I noticed
1: so, the Ghost Pepper, but yeah, I can understand that you um, because it's probably more in. Yeah, Linky, or more like some of the material, or some of the stuff that I like now that, you know, quieter at times. I mean, there's some rock on this, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I can understand from your perspective why yeah. you would give it such a rating.
0: I I just can't, and it's not that I don't like jazz or nothing like that, or those areas, it's just that I just can't believe that this is an album by Santana. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, I can't. I can't. I've just had a look over. I couldn't see if now Kilimanjaro was a tr- was an album by Miles. But if it was, I I believe it because he obviously was appreciated Miles. Was it called
1: Philae so Am I getting that mixed up? I don't
0: know. Nothing I can see here about Kilimanjaro. Maybe it was a track. Yeah,
1: maybe. Sketches of Spain. No. It's an album from the uh, second quintet which, you know, Miles worked one of these albums. I don't know if it's that one. I made a note
0: on it. Um, oh, hang on. Filiz de Kilimanjaro. Yeah, yeah there we de go. Kilimanjaro. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I don't know what the... Fil- I don't speak... I assume that's a bit French. Yeah, I'm de- not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means. Please translate it below, people. I have no idea. <laughs> 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 but anyway, yes, there's the link. There you go. So obviously that was a bit of a nod to... Uh, Miles Davis
1: yeah. there, that's nice. Yeah. yeah.
0: With the next one we have Shango, nineteen eighty-two album. Um Shango is a god, which is a big call for this album. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first note. <laughs> um, yeah, this is just. Oh, look, Havana Moon was shit more shit than this one. Um, Hold On was co written by Ian Thomas, I wrote here as well, yeah. uh, the second track, uh, who was a singer, not too big, but worked with Daryl Braithwaite. <laughs> okay, if that's your calling card, then I'm sorry to say that's horrible um <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't know who Ian Thomas is, I don't think I, even when I looked him up on his like Wikipedia and stuff that, even with Spotify I couldn't find this guy, so sure, there's another cover, Santana does another cover, that's no surprise that it will never end, uh but yeah, it's not bad that song i, I mean pop, very poppy, yeah, yeah, you know, hold on, yeah, okay cool, yeah, hold it on, Holding on for a better track, uh, but yeah. Night hunting again is a cover. Nowhere to run is a cover of a Kiss song, which I found very weird.
1: <laughs> I wrote that. I wrote down that nowhere to run was the hit. You know, the hit song. <laughs> and that, I didn't realise it was a Kiss song. It was. It was.
0: Oh, it's. It's complicated. It is a cover of a. I think.
1: Because Russ Ballard, I've noticed. I think he writes a few material, a few tracks that Santana's recorded over the years.
0: Yeah, where is it? Where is it? Sorry, nowhere to run. Yeah, Russ Ballard. He was like the unofficial Kiss member. I think he would write some of their material. This wouldn't appear on a an official Kiss album. He's one without the makeup. Yeah, (laughs) he's the one who gets to go home after everything (laughs) and get paid at the same time. No, he. um, From what I understand, the song itself was like a B sides. And I think appeared on one of their Kisses B sides albums, but was considered the hit of the B sides album. <laughs> um, I listened to it, and it's just look. I mean, if you don't like Kiss, then you're not going to like that track. <laughs> um, I don't mind a bit of Kiss, but I didn't like that track. It's that '80s late '70s era of Kiss where they went into that well shit era, <laughs> like a few of the '70s musicians.
1: When did they go to a good era? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come like on now, Detroit Rock and all the rest. <laughs>
1: anyway. Oh, that would gimmicky for my life. Oh, I can understand that. Good good live band, I would imagine. I've never seen them live. I don't would think I could him. give Gene Simmons any money. <laughs> He's <laughs> such an asshole.
0: No, He's yeah. very mercenary. Oh, I just hate his comments in general. The yeah. guy's a twat.
1: <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I had this is another very smooth off- offering from Santana, pop-style, FM-friendly, well-produced, nice set of songs. Yeah, um, yeah. Nowhere to run I had down as the hit, as I said. New York, I think, uh, was a standout track on side one. Um, Look how many bloody people wrote that I know, track. that's the whole band. I think that's everybody Fuck, who ever, why wouldn't you just gets, write Santana? I think that's everybody <laughs> in the... Well, they can't with this band. It's not like The Doors. They yeah, still that's credit true. the songs to The Doors because there's only four members, but... Um, until they were only three, <laughs> but uh, if you just oh, put, why is that? <laughs> yeah, bit hard to put Santana also when it's the surname of one of the guys in, in the band. So yeah, for legal reasons, you know, we have to include twelve artists about weather. <laughs> But you'd have to hope that, you know, if you were Armando Peraza or someone, Graham Lear, that it sold a lot of copies to make it worthwhile because otherwise you're only getting about a tenth of a share of one track.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Spotify does like to pay their artists really well. Yeah, Yeah. how does that go for you? This one cent that you've earned for the yeah, month, you've got to check. divide that by ten. Easy a check. It'll
1: cost you more to go and bank it. <laughs> I hope they get paid electronically. Oh yes. I got, I got that. It's a, it's a good Santana album. It's um, decent. New York a, was a good track. It's almost reggae on side two on track four. Let me inside. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Kind of a reggae track. I, the title. To me, the standout track was Shango, the title track. Oh, okay. You had track. Shango as that. Yeah. The one minute forty one track. Minute- I, I, when I heard this, I thought, why do they only do it 1 minute 44? <laughs> yeah. Couldn't they, they could have cut out one or two of the other tracks and made this a 7 minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I wouldn't blame you for that one. I had uh, New York and Body Surfing. I oh, thought yeah. that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's a bit all over the place and kind of lacks any real Carlos guitar work as well. Uh, which gives way for a lot of disco and yacht rock, and (laughs) fuck that noise. So, yeah, unfortunately, then, Shango gets kind of shelved for what could have been. I guess, like you said, Shango was a bit more back to it, but, I mean, that's one minute 40 of a 40-minute track uh, album, I should say. So, yeah, this album doesn't know what it wants to be, but it is bad. (laughs) Not even the good tracks can really redeem this album. And uh, you can see why Santana fell from grace pretty much starting yeah. near this album yeah. onwards. So I guess it's interesting when the way we've done it uh, because I think there's only one or two albums from this that I've only listened to and now I've forced myself to listen to it. And I'm going backwards and I'm like, ah. So that's kind of where everything fell apart. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's like it's like looking at a car at the end and slowly being built. Shango together. and his part of my downfall. Yeah, <laughs> Shango is where the first part <laughs> fell off. The exhaust pipe has come off. Everyone and we're still going. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Shango to me pretty much is where things were starting to be troubled. Uh, that's just my outsider's view looking in. Uh, hindsight's a beautiful thing, as well as Wikipedia. So, for me, <laughs> yeah, look. Shango was very, very below average. Yeah. It was just uh Well, I hated the thai chili,
1: but um I guess from what you'll say you might be jalapeno what Well gave I it wouldn't... away. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I had it a Carolina Reaper. <laughs> no, it was definitely a jalapeno for me. Yeah. This was pure um this is an album I am not gonna go back to. But Actually, one of the four tracks I was talking about before, Hold On, was the one, one of the tracks, I think, from that, This Is Santana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that was the radio hit, I think, one of his big ones from the 80s, so, yeah, sure. Congratulations. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, Jalapeno for me, what was a uh, what did you say, Thai Chili for yours? Yeah. Thai Chili, actually, okay. Yeah. yeah. So as I'm... I
1: said, I just find it really hard to rate any Santana albums as the lowest (laughs) (laughs) may as well be a jalapeno in your box (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, look it's
0: nothing i'm going to rush back to but at the same time i'm not disappointed that i spent 40 minutes listening to it yeah i'm probably just disappointed i spent 35 minutes listening to it you know So we move on to um, the Frank Zappa... Al- oh, sorry, no, the Santana <laughs> album, z 1981. Of course, it does look like uh, Frank Zappa in a dot matrix colour scheme. Pretty sure it looks exactly like one of his albums as well from that time. I don't know if he's trying to emulate his style here, but yes, Z-Bop with an apostrophe at the end of that. Uh, 1981, Carlos Santana. Now, what did you make of this Tales album? of Kilimanjaro on it. Did I miss that? Shit. I didn't position that. Yeah. Second first track on side two. Oh God, he didn't. I wait. looked at
1: this and I thought, oh, is there a mistake in the um Yeah, did how did I
0: miss that? Jeez, he did it again.
1: Yeah. Uh, there there's the second track on side two of um Havana Moon. So he's taken again, oh, he switched he's, some he's of his Santana again. band stuff and he's intertwined, but He's taken some of his Santana band stuff and done it as a solo, and I think he's done the opposite as well. So. Oh, my God.
0: That's creativity for <laughs> you, ripping yourself off. Oh, man. I didn't well,
1: you, you can actually plagiarise yourself, you know. You, um, can you plagiarise you your yourself? You can plagiarise yourself, yeah. I know, um, well, from wow. an academic perspective, if you oh. quote yourself previ- yeah, previous work, without quoting that's your previous work, then you can be done for plagiarism. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're, you're be representing it as new material, you know? Oh, yeah, um, true. So, yes, he's plagiarised.
0: Jeez, I hope you wrote down the author of the, mu- of the music.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that's... Shit, I, I completely missed that. Even when I was playing through it. Wow, okay, <laughs> i got to really listen to that and the other version because I believe one of the other tracks yeah. as well was there's a fair bit of differences, I guess, in there. But uh, look, from what I wrote here, it says, um, Changes is a really good opener track. It's very upbeat Cat and Stevens, poppy. Yeah. yeah, Cat Stevens' version as well, cover again. Mm. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say... I, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you the original version. I don't think I've heard it. But I love the cover. I love this version. I love this song. It's a great mm. opening track to me. Um, this is, compared to the last couple of albums that we've been listening to here, really, it grabbed me. Uh, yeah, then, the, then it flows into the next track, you know, uh, e Papa Ray, I think I mispronounced that, but mm-hmm. it flows well onto that track and has a great energy again, and then the third track again, uh, Pramarera Invasion, another solid track, you know, it just has these first three tracks, which just fantastic. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is, it seems to be a consistent thing in some of his albums. Yeah. yeah. The first three tracks you listen to and that's really good, and then it just loses its way.
0: Yeah, I think he knows that um,
1: It's getting their attention. Well that's it. Yeah. You know, again, footing. this is back in the days when you listen to it in a booth in a record bar, you'd hear the first three tracks, say, I'm buying that. <laughs> then you get home and find the other nine are shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that that
0: don't sound a
1: bit <laughs> It doesn't sound wrong at all. So there's probably record company executives who know that, and they're putting that first... um, Yeah. You put the first three, and usually the last track is a strong one, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're just going, okay, so shit, are you sure you want to do this one? Okay, okay, (laughs) we'll push that one back to uh, track six for the (laughs) middle Okay, yeah, no, I... I, Yeah, for me, I mean, I wrote track four was meh. You can skip over that one. Uh, But, I mean... (laughs) Over and over seems to be a cover, but I'm not sure who Rick Myers is. Oh, I've
1: heard that name, but I can't place him either. Yeah,
0: it's almost almost, and great rock and disco crossover. It's almost a, a great rock and disco co- crossover, mm-hmm. I should say, which is very unusual to hear in a sentence. I don't consider any disco music really to be fantastic. so, uh, Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, yeah. Winning seems to be cheesy, but in... was ende- Russ Ballard again. That's Russ Ballard again? Mm. Ah, that mm. makes sense so again. That seems to
1: be his hit writer. Yeah, so <laughs> he's
0: he's teamed up with him again. It's cheesy, but in an endearing way.
1: That's a song that I've heard quite a bit of, and mm. it must be on one of the, you know, essential or best of or whatever that I've got. Um, yeah, okay. I don't recall hearing it on any of the live albums, but it uh, could have been, Um but it is a an FM friendly kind. Oh, it's definitely the yeah. This it's is the, the one hit. for the
0: radios, yeah. you know, because it's different compared to everything else we listen to. Look, I, I give that song a pass. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, I wouldn't add it to my playlists, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. skip it. I guess if I heard it either. Yeah, it's not bad that song. Um, and yeah, look, it's a really good album for the '80s. Yeah, I yeah. thought this is probably his standout album actually. Yeah. You know, probably beating, um. What did I say before? Shango or... Um, no, definitely no. not Shango. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I think to me this is probably his highlight of the 80s. Yep. Unfortunately, it was at the beginning. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it, it captures that Santana sound, uh, which we know so well, with a bit of a change, but not too much that it alienates the fans. You know, there's enough for a bit of updated times... There's enough to be considered slightly disco there's enough for it to be considered slightly 80s rock or to a degree but it's it's not such a drastic change that the other albums brought in yeah. that it just is complete crap i guess is what i'm trying to say there yeah so that that's, that's what i wrote there in regards to it. it's a bit of a hidden gem actually i did i wrote that it's mm. a hidden gem album to me
1: yeah i had, i thought it was a standard offering um dated i agree it's um mm. And some really simple, even poor lyrics on some of the tracks. Um, yeah, yeah. Almost school kid kind of stuff. You know, like, I'm sure I wrote better songs when I was 16, you know. When you <laughs> locked away in your room trying yeah. to write songs, you know.
0: Not a band of 15 years on the road almost.
1: <laughs> I mean. It's patchy, but with enough highlights, I think, to keep you interested in. Um, probably, a, probably a good 1980s party album. Yeah. I mean, this would be the kind of album you'd drop on the... Record player, yeah. Okay. When people are arriving first drinks, or maybe even halfway through the party, yeah. And you wanted to lift the, you know, yeah, lift the mood lift up. The mood and stuff up like that. Um, listen to against the noise of a crowd, <laughs> and loud, turned up <laughs> loud, you know, as they were, you know.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, my favourite track besides Tales of Kilimanjaro again was Prim. <laughs> was um, what's it, Prim? Primera Invasion. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, winning I picked as the uh, you know the, the, radio, the, the radio. On um, track uh, I love you too much. Um, I, he plays a, it seems to me to play with the Roy Buchanan style oh, on that. Who? Roy Buchanan. Roy Buchanan was a famous or wasn't saying he was a American musician? blues guitarist. No, no oh, blues okay. style guitarist. Um yeah, I'm just trying to think. He he was in a band, but he mainly made solo material. Bit patchy at times, but he's had some. He had some really great stuff. He did covers of some Hendrix stuff, like Hey Joe. Although that's not written by Hendrix. Okay. <laughs> no, that was a blues cover anyway, cover. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Roy Roy Buchanan, who sadly um, probably died by about then. Maybe not. He um, Roy had a battle with the bottle. Ah. Which he he lost, and well, ended that's up. unlikely
0: for any blues musician. Yeah,
1: well, he he had a an album out called A Street Called Straight, when he was supposed to have given up drugs and alcohol. Ah. But um, as I read in one review, in Roy Buchanan's case, the Street Called Straight didn't run very long. <laughs> <laughs> and sadly, he got picked up one night, drunk and disorderly, in wow. some little American U- U.S. state town, and um, put in jail and hung himself. Wow, so, that's uh, dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you know, sad. And, uh, but that, if you listen to that track, it's got, um, oh, I'm just trying to think of the track of Roy Buchanan's that it reminded me of, um, The Messiah Has Surely Come, or something like that, because Roy had a religious bent to a lot of his stuff, as does Carl. course. yeah. And um, I don't know if that, again, I don't know if that was Roy's original, I don't, you know, he didn't write a lot of material, but... Um, Do you
0: think they ran in the same circles?
1: Um, well, possibly. Um, well, they probably knew each other in the 70s, Um Roy Buchanan never got the fame and, and probably fortune that, uh, that, you know, Carlos Santana and many of the others did, but he was a damn fine guitarist and, okay. uh, and a really good... I, I bought a, a, a... first album of his I bought was one called Live in Japan. Nice. Uh, it's got Hey Joe on it, and, uh, and he, had, he does elongated, long tracks. Roy Buchanan also was not a great vocalist and did sing sometimes, not, you know... Um, not a strong vocalist, but a very... Not a strong, but he could get by. And he also had bands where he had people there who would sing with him, you know, sing for him, sing you know, sing as well. A bit like Robin Trower, who I don't think has ever tried to sing, but um, Robin Trower is another very good guitar player, but um, he's always had other singers in his band.
0: I'll take your word on that one.
1: <laughs> well, Robin Trower, I think, was with Prokel Haram. I think. Wait, um, what was his name? Robin Trower, T-R-O-W-E-R.
0: Did he do some solo albums in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: done. Oh yeah. fuck, I did. I listened yeah. to. It. <laughs> live. I listened album to
0: he's... his solo album just last
1: week. Yeah, he's I was got, listening he's got to a new one out. I think just about. Yeah, I was listening last to it just like
0: the other week, and I go, shit, who's this?
1: Yeah, I don't know the guy. He's got, right. new, he's got a new solo album out just um, in the last couple of weeks, and um, yeah, right. Well, one of his the, the albums. Yeah, he, of, only he's... Turned,
0: he turned like eighty or something recently. I think he's a fair age. Yeah, a fair
1: age, and he had a live album out in the seventies, which I had. Daydream was on it, and um, uh, a few other tracks. Uh, you know, writes his own material. He's he's very he's good. good. Yeah, yeah he's, he's very a very good, good guitarist. But that's what I think yeah you know, that track to me has that Roy Buchanan style. This album was produced by Bill Graham too. I know. I, I
0: think it was his last one as well. Yeah. I wrote
1: here. It's possibly his last produced
0: album with Bill Graham. Yeah, with Bill and Graham. then that shows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, like I guess. Look, Bill Graham and Santana were very well together. Um, yeah, I feel yeah. like Bill Graham obviously had his best interests at heart, and I I think helped him mm. with a bit of uh, decisions and focus and attention. Uh, sorry, not attention, focus and uh, direction. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of in regards to where the band should go in the future. And like I said, it's 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 not three steps forward, you know, type of thing. Mm. It's but it's enough to be. A little bit forward. Yeah. And maybe the record execs felt it wasn't enough of a push uh, for the time of the music. And, of course, we got what we got
1: after. But he he does a J.J. Kale cover, Sensitive yeah. Kind.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, um,
1: and, you know, I, I noted on one of his earlier, one of his later albums that he played one or two tracks in a J.J. Kale style. So I don't know whether J.J. might have dropped into the studio to show him a few licks. Might have, yeah.
0: <laughs> That'd be interesting. I did have to say that it's probably got the worst '80s album ever, uh, the worst '80s era album cover. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when you consider some of Santana's album covers, and we said this in the first round that you know they're pieces of art themselves. Mm. Yeah, this is not much. This is just a, you know, yeah, oh, it's nice just a red and black dot
0: matrix looking thing. I think it's actually, if you were to zoom into it, I think it's that old school kind of fax. You know, it's like squares of oh, yeah, yeah I believe if I was to zoom in. Um, I believe it's actually like that, so... A lot of
1: his albums, if it doesn't feature that really great artwork, you know, which I said would be something you'd hang on your wall, Mm. um, it's either just a picture of Carlos, like Freedom, you know, for example. Yeah. um, And you never get, even on band albums, I I don't recall, unlike many other bands, where you get a photo of the whole band on the front. (laughs) I don't think he's had the whole band. Not even on the back, maybe? I, I can't recall. I mean, he must have... Surely you would have done ago. it for the
0: first ones, maybe. Though. No, well,
1: I know the first Santana album with Was, Eagle Ways, no? it's, got, it's got painting. that uh, lion's head type of thing. And, yeah, they're um, all... Um... No, there is. The back of that may feature some pictures of other mem- band members.
0: There is one coming up, actually.
1: Okay. There is one. Yeah. You'll see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyway, I gave it to Carolina Reaper. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I know, like you said, lyrically not the strongest, but look, Santana's not known for a strong yeah, yeah. lyricist, so I, do, I really could look past that and consider this one of the better albums from this outing. And, uh, yeah, Carolina Reaper yeah, for me. I, I,
1: I gave it a ghost pepper, but I could go with the Carolina Reaper. You go with the Carolina yeah. Reaper? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I could I could re-listen to that album. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could definitely re-listen to that one, so. Right, so the next one we got coming up, the next album, another solo album, of course, The Swing of Delight, nineteen eighty. I've got written here as the release of this album. This one, I can, I can instantly tell you love. You will love this album. <laughs> I was listening to it the first look. I never heard any of his solo albums. As I said, I didn't listen to a lot of these albums before playing it through. But when I first started playing this, I'm like, yep, yeah, was is definitely gonna love this. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's a lot of free-form jazz and a lot of free-form type of, yeah, uh, tr- jam tracks, I guess, as well. Very jazz-orientated. Mm. Love it. High energy. I actually really enjoy this.
1: Yeah, this one, uh, as I said, I purchased this on cassette mm. when it came out. So you listen to it in the car. Because I often found Santana music, particularly the albums are kind of blended together, uh, and you know, even with the, with those you'd purchase on vinyl, you'd record onto cassette so you could listen to it in the car. But they they played well for a road trip. Yeah, yeah. You get yeah, out of Sydney and put the put the music on, and just you got this constant beat. You know, it's not you're not you know not focusing on just individual tracks. It's just like one blend of really good boppy. Yeah. Know, sometimes bluesy, sometimes jazzy. Um, yeah. And I listened to it a couple of times when I first bought it. they the I mean cassette sounds, you know, like it's.
0: It's a terrible sound. A terrible sound. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: I had a pretty good cassette player, but this particular tape that I bought for this one, yeah. which was a proper store tape, you know, it wasn't wasn't a knockoff I got from Thailand or um, right, or a mate recorded it for me, it just had a very bad sound on it. um you yeah. it did. Just didn't listen, Just didn't play well. I don't know what Whether it was. it was the quality of the tape or whatever. It doesn't matter whether I was in the car or at home. So I listened to it a number of times, but. You know, just didn't really get into it as much, and um, but I um, I liked this then. I mean, I I liked it then. There were parts of it that I liked, and I like it even more now after listening to it Mm. um, twenty plus years later, (laughs) thirty, you know, thirty or nineteen eighty, geez, forty years later. Wow. Yes. Um, Yes. Damn. And um, although it's probably twenty years since I last listened to it. You know, so maybe I listen. A to a... A... Maybe I listen to a cassette in nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. I don't
0: know. It... It's one of those secret uh, Santana albums you forgot about, and then you come back to it and you went, yeah, oh, you find yeah.
1: it. You know, when you're going through to throw out your cassette, I think, oh, I'll listen to that one more time.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I guess like this was a, a hidden gem for you then.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's very much a swing style Latin jazz feel. Mm, um, it, I prefer definitely... the non-vocal side of um, Santana, and I felt this was so much better than the previous. Tentana band album. Marathon. Yeah, it definitely
0: falls in with the previous works that he's yeah. done. You know,
1: um, I prefer this to his other like Oneness and um, probably Havana Moon as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a look for me. I wrote here. It's a really overlooked solo album. Yeah. I guess I saw that. That was because of the count in regards to like Spotify. A mm. lot of these albums, a lot of the ones we've just been discussing, have low counts, and this album in particular has a very low count. Mm. And I feel that's unjust compared to the other ones. Fuck the other one's play this one. <laughs> if you're Final a Santana fan, play this one. I think Final you'll be track thoroughly is by
1: Wayne Shorter. Ah. And when yep. you check on the musicians playing on this album, it's Taney Williams, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter and Ron Carter.
0: Ah, oh, was Herbie Hancock on this so, album? So, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, I'm not sure nice. they're on every track, but um, so that's the four of the members of Miles Davis, you know, when you count Miles Davis, he's second Great quintet, which was probably considered one of the best jazz bands ever.
0: Interesting, um, interesting. Didn't know that. Mm, mm. I think this was also the last. I didn't inf- know
1: that either myself because on the cassette, I don't gave any details of the musicians, but I looked it up um, a few yeah. weeks back when I was first list- when I first listened to this.
0: I can imagine that'd be a cassette that just came
1: blank almost. Yeah, I don't think there's much information. Well, you I don't mean, get you're, much you're, in there. It wasn't much space. Yeah, yeah it was, there just, was uh, basically was a shrunk version of the record cover.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Everyone, I've only ever had one cassette. Yeah. Uh, it was like from a school dance or something. You know, the winner of like this dance got a cassette, in which case it was, um, it was a Green Day record. Uh, I think it was Warning or something like yeah, that, yeah. which is probably not the record you want to give, you know, a 12-year-old. But <laughs> anyway, they gave a cassette of this one, and I played it on the cassette player that we had, chewed it up. <laughs> I, I felt so excited. Here's his tape. I, I got the first tape I've ever had in my life, and the cassette player chewed it up. Uh, but, yeah, from what I remember even looking at the book, I'm pretty sure it's just a thin piece of paper in for the artwork, and that was it. Yeah, It yeah. doesn't have any... Like, I mean, at, least at least with CDs,
1: they often came with booklets. Correct, yeah. You, you, know, you um, could have a bit of reading you material when you're, reading, yeah. when you're listening. Yeah, you could have everything, sometimes printed in about 0. 0.6 font.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put the glasses on. Which your doesn't real suit. Good. I think there was some interesting... Although there's a lot of stuff when it comes... That's the thing that is missing with physical media, is when you've got CDs... There would be some stuff in there like notes from the artists, oh, yeah, photos yeah. from the artists. For example, Pearl Jam had I do that. Miss that. Yeah, and and they would write interesting things in there. Metallica had some stuff. Obviously, there'd be pictures of, you know, their word sheets written up and all that. Who cares? But then there would be other often ones. the lyrics. Yeah, even the lyrics. I okay, fantastic. I can read the lyrics. But the other thing, they had inside jokes in some of them, or um, I know Pearl Jam had Eddie Vedder's photography in another one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just this stuff that is kind of overlooked. Online, you barely leave even looking at the album cover. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of feel that's something that I reminisce, and I, uh, I miss that part yeah, of it. Yeah, I miss the Yeah, I miss <laughs> physically holding it, smelling it, you know. Yeah. That new CD smell yummy.
1: Uh- <laughs> I used to like sitting down listening to records and looking at the record cover, and you know they'd give you the personnel quite often. As I said, sometimes uh, lyrics, certainly the writer, you know the writers of the tracks, and uh, and so you'd have a look at the mix and see who's writing in the band and yeah yeah uh, where they got a guest appearance or something and who's playing what you know because sometimes you get a particularly larger band and they might switch instruments. Person who's played. Bass might also play piano on a couple of tracks, and um, yeah, exactly, and so on. So yeah, you you do miss out on that information and that um, flow. And I mean, some you're right. Sometimes they put little jokes, little in in jokes. I mean, even on you know things like Abbey Road, the Beatles. You know, they had supposedly Paul McCartney's funeral <laughs> on the back cover. Then crossing the road, you know, George's yeah. dressed up as a grave digger, John's dressed up as the minister yeah. in white. Um, Paul's got bare feet, which is supposed to denote a corpse. The Volkswagen in the background had 24 if on the number plate.
0: 24 if, Which
1: means he would have been 24 if he'd been alive. Oh, God. (laughs) Or 28 if, I'm not sure. It could be 28.
0: Well, he died at 34, so it would have been 24. No, Paul McCartney is supposed to be. Oh, Paul McCartney. Right, 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 right. So in
1: 1969 or 70, when that was done, he... Probably uh, 28. Yeah, it would be 28. 28. Yeah, it wouldn't be 24, definitely not. Yeah, because yeah, John, uh, John Lennon was 40 when he was. We'll, we'll killed discuss in that on the other
0: episode as well in regards to Live Listen A Race, where we discussed uh, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, and Jethro Tull. Mm. Uh, where we th- I think they said they met in 1959, so something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mathematically, they can't be 24 at 1969. <laughs> well, I they remember, could, but not really. <laughs>
1: I remember one Little Feet album cover. You know, record cover, and it had the had the tracks on the back with all the with the with the words, mm. and it had one of them about the fifth or sixth was scratched out, like covered out, and said maybe next time. <laughs> 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 and they did; they put it on another album. I don't know it was the next one, but but I thought obviously a joke. I mean, if you were going to design the cover, you wouldn't put all that on and say, oh, yeah. hang on, we're not going to put that track on. Yeah. Oh, we've just printed a million or half a million covers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I always thought to myself, you know what, if if I was doing an album cover I'd want to get like the guy from the Mad Artist who does the fold ins. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> El, what's his name? Al Jappy or whatever. El, yeah. Uh imagine that, having your album cover do a fold in to do the cover. Yeah, but that'd be the last cover. one and only time, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> your yeah. album cover would be Oh, but think about it, that'd be that'd be next <laughs> level. I don't think anyone's done something like that for well, a Well, there were look album yeah, cover.
1: There were some really creative album covers, you know. I mean Led mm. Zeppelin three had the on a spin, you know, like you, you had these holes oh, in the cover and you yeah, could spin yeah, yeah. this the thing symbols. around, different symbols would come up, and yeah, um, Zofo and all the yeah, rest. Yep, um, yep, yep. You small faces, ooh la la. You'd pull the you'd push down on top of it, and there was a man on the front, and his eyes would change, and his tongue poke out, or something. Oh, okay. Rolling Stones, famously, with sticky fingers when you opened up the cup, <laughs> popped a <the> tongue, <laughs> which looked very phallic. There was
0: also, I think, Tool with 10,000 Days, and they had album artwork but with glasses. And I think when you viewed it through the glasses, uh, you would see something in the pattern of the album artwork. They were very... Because
1: Sticky Fingers was the one originally with the zipper. And you undid the zipper on the front and out popped the tongue. And they decided that was a bit too risque. So when they and also that damaged the record in in transit and um, oh because you know. it shrunk didn't it well no the, the, the it was a proper zipper right so if you stacked your albums oh. top yeah which you shouldn't do anyway yeah but if right. you stacked it that way and they were often stacked that way for transport yeah um, it they would, would, would damage break. damage the album bend the album and oh, um, okay didn't so that. that and also got banned of course in the US and other places where they're a bit more um, you know conservative sensitive about those kind of things other
0: what is it uh. And, what was the quote I heard from them? Um, conservative in public, but freak in, the, in private.
1: <laughs> well, the the Sticky Fingers album was then later released, uh, minus the zipper, and okay. they're probably rare covers now. They're probably worth money if you can get hold of them. But um, when yeah. you it just had a pull-apart part, and it just showed a pair of, like, a man's underpants, and it had uh, an apology from Andy Warhol, et <laughs> al., or something like that. <laughs> I think Andy it might have been Andy Warhol Jeez, Yeah, okay. Andy so it just Warhol. had that printed on the underpants. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, because there was a lot of seventies um, albums that were recalled and and had different album covers. Beggar's Banquet was another yeah, one. Yeah, that's um, right. For whatever, whatever reason, that was just a cake on the fucking cover. What, why would they recall it? I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> God Save the Queen was another one with, yeah. uh Sex Pistols again. So I mean, look, there's a whole bunch of. Um, Oh, that's when it comes to that, and they've got some physical media. But anyway, tangent aside, um, <laughs> on the whole, a great effort, this album. Yeah. I I love, I love this. This album was really a, quite, probably the biggest surprise out of this lot. Um, I'm probably not going to rush back to hear it, but I will definitely go back to listen to it at some stage, you know? If you wanted to hear Carlos do jazz, this is it, Yeah,
1: you know? Sheer Calm the Tiger, the Wayne Shorter track was a standout for me. I think this is his last solo album in his Sanskrit title of... Uh, Devadip. Yep, Devadip
0: Carlos Santana. So, yep. yeah. I gave this one a Carolina Reaper. I thought it was worthy of it.
1: Yeah, I I did too. Yeah, Carolina Reaper. Yeah,
0: yeah, good one. Good album. Yep. Definitely the first two tracks for me I think were the best. But, yeah, no, it was a very good album. So the following album we have is 1979's album Marathon. Um, quite... What
1: about Oneness? We've done.
0: Have I mixed up the. No, nope, that's number twenty-two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Page twenty-two, I should say. I probably. I think in, re- in in regards to how they were released, I think Oneness did come before. But anyway, anyway. Yeah. Marathon. (laughs) So, yeah, 1979's Marathon, 11 tracks at 40 minutes and 29 seconds. I think it's a missed opportunity where they could have used an outro at 1 minute 31 to make it a true marathon of 42 minutes long in total. Missed opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. So, that is what I was disappointed about the most. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, in regards to this album, it's interesting hearing these albums in reverse order again, because... You know, you're slowly getting from that massive style from the origins, like the first album, to here, you know, in regards to Marathon, which was a lot more disco-y, obviously, due to the times. So, Santana's trying to get in with uh, the current sound, and I think Marathon was one of those albums that just tried to appease yeah, yeah,
1: that. Yeah, it was 1980s pop music.
0: Mm, definitely. And, I mean, look, considering the times, mm. it's no surprise, mm. you know. Uh, Acromarine is a nice piece. Pretty chilled, I wrote here. Thought it was one of the favourites. Alan Pasca again? Yep, yep, Alan Pasco. I thought it was one of the better uh, tracks on this Mm. album. But, you know, uh, You Know That I Love is a rather generic late 70s rock sound. Nothing special. Um, it's probably the closest to disco sound now that Santana has released, I Mm. believe. So... You know, uh, what were your thoughts in regards to this album?
1: Uh, not in that he's pop music, designed for FM play. Mm. I remember listening to this album when it first came out and was disappointed. <laughs> Didn't bother buying it. Um, sounds like a hundred albums of that era. Sounds yes. like you know. I think I, I might have made this comment in relation to one of Santana's other albums might, earlier, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure, but, um, but just sounds a bit, a bit like Santana I'm trying to be Toto the band that was just that was made up of studio musicians yeah right and um you know a song like the why was the tiger was that one of theirs um you know toto um, no
0: no hold the line
1: africa yeah, yeah that's
0: right yeah. yeah yeah uh there ain't no hold the line here is there
1: no. <laughs> there's no so it just sounds like 100 albums at that time short yeah. poppy tracks playing to an audience if, um, if this didn't have
0: the santana name to it you'd no. probably mistake it for several other artists that's, at the time
1: Look, the comment, I made: good guitar, naturally. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, final track, Hard Times, I thought was a standout from a fairly vanilla-flavoured set.
0: Yeah. It's definitely nothing to rock home about. was
1: good, too, but... Yeah,
0: yeah there was nothing special, this album. Yeah. Yeah, it... The thing is, it on paper, it seems like a good pairing. Disco and Latin rock. Hmm. But... You know, it seems like that should work. It should, anyway. But for some reason, this just sounds very average. And yeah. it's like no effort went into this. Yeah. They just went through the motions to put out an All album. Yeah, but no responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're contractively obligated to write an album, and we're going to. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Marathon is the byproduct of that. So,
1: yeah, yeah very... Sorry to see them finish off the 70s, which they started so strongly. Oh. Yeah, um, and went downhill yeah unfortunately um, he found his mojo again
0: yeah look it definitely came back later on it would just take quite a few more albums to get to that point but for me that was I'd say a Thai chili yeah yeah. it's not a strong album it's definitely not one that I'll go back to anytime soon and not a standout album yeah I agree with the Thai chili yeah definitely All right, we go into another solo album, Oneness, Silver Dreams, Golden Reality, nineteen seventy nine. Uh, this is the second of three solo albums written under his Sanskrit name, Devadip Carlos, Devadip.
1: of course. Um, yeah, well, by the early eighties, I think he'd split from Chimnoi. You know, because actually, I noticed on um, one of his later albums, um, Chimnoi, yes, was a wrote the track. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. um, and I assume that's probably his um you know I... muse at the time, or whatever you know, whatever you call it, but um uh, but I did read somewhere that he and his wife fell out with that guy, and
0: I thought it was his wife's like um uncle or something like that, yeah it I was can't some remember kind their of connection I know
1: that they were introduced, and uh it might have even been John McLaughlin, the guitarist, right yeah uh, the jazz guitarist, um okay. Okay. Very good, very good guitarist, and still producing and still, you know, still bringing out albums. Although I think he talked about retirement not that long ago. Hmm. Uh, very fast guitarist, John John McLaughlin. Um, oh, okay, he's more like a the jazz jazz version of Jeff Beck <laughs>
0: or Joe Satriani. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear that he still keeps going. But I
1: think John McLaughlin may have introduced. John McLaughlin worked with Miles Davis and Wayne Uh, Shortland. He was on Bitches Brew.
0: Oh, okay, okay. He's still around, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. Yeah,
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, right, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I I don't know much about his Sanskrit era. Um, From what I understand, it was a spiritual thing, and I don't really care to go any further into looking into that. (laughs) You know, he had, from what I understand, he just had a spiritual awakening, I guess, and there's a few solo albums that came of it. For me, this is probably this is the weakest solo album of his so far that I'm going. On. I haven't looked at his first one yet, so I don't know about that one. But this this is weak. It's another jazz influenced album, of course. You know, very similar to the Swing of Delight, mm. um, with partial live tracks as well here. You know, I think um, what was it, Light versus Darkness, or the second track I think it was it was mm. a live um, track. But for me. Uh, It's not bad, it's just that it's very odd. I I felt Swing and Delight was a bit more focused than this one. Yeah,
1: I turned off some of these albums when they got to be too much like, you know, a religious rock. Um, (laughs) You know, same as, um, I mean, I listened to Dylan's... Christian albums the two oh, or wow. three your game <laughs> I didn't buy them I listened no, to them I good. had a flatmate that bought the first one um, I can't even remember the name um, Slow Train Coming I think yeah right okay um, Yeah, some good tracks I mean Dylan you know Dylan. Bad Dylan is still really good um, but um, yeah I just when they start getting too preachy or too um, into it I mean mm. there's been some great music written about religion I mean, you know, some of, I mean John Coltrane's I love Supreme yeah as a whole yeah. you know and that's one of the best jazz albums of all times you know i i, I love that album uh, yeah uh, of course but it's not vocal either it's, it's no. an instrumental album jazz album um <laughs> you know you could have called it you know popcorn at the movies yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's no vocal sign at too
1: well, or it does have really... actually there is a track i'm not sure if Coltrane added it or was added later but they do that loves a br- they do do oh, a little vocal okay, okay. in it um, and um, again John McLaughlin and Wayne Shorter and Carlos Santana live at the Montreux Jazz Festival did the Love Supreme and, yeah. sang it. and that's when you know Carlos Santana stepped up to the microphone as well and started chanting that I mean you know but then again, most people could do that and yeah. get away with saying that's my vocals. I mean, I could do that. <laughs> and I can't sing for like, save my life. But, yeah, you know. exactly. But but yeah, look, this is a very smooth, you know, nice track to track blend. Um, it's a clear jazz orientation, as you said, mm. but it's a bit too much like music. Yeah, I think for some, you know. Yeah, um, I found out. I found um, life is just a passing parade. To be uh, the, probably one of the better tracks, but it's pure Santana. <laughs> like, yeah, again, yeah. you know, band, man, yeah, you know, solo, yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, look, I mean, I I couldn't really say anything truly stuck out. It kind of all blended into mm. a kind of psychedelic tunes with a few jams in some of them. Um, I felt it was definitely a lot more in the lines of jazz, uh, freeform jazz, I should probably yeah, yeah. say, because it just, I mean, most of these tracks here are also, you know, 40 seconds long, yes, <laughs> you know, it's like that. Is one of my pet peeves. I have a real hate about, you know, tracks that are probably split into five things where it's one track. I really hate that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, disregarding that, still, um, it, yeah, look, it was a bit too far fetched for my for my liking. I don't mind jam tracks. I don't mind a bit of jazz. Mix it in with a bit too much psychedelics and stuff. It just be. Yeah, it just it just strays a bit from the path to me, too abstract. It's a good album for a Sunday afternoon nap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'll take that. I'll take fall asleep that. while tracks three wake <laughs> up when it stops. Yep, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, these are the sounds of rain. No, no, no. I got oneness. Don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> Sorry again, Carlos. Yeah. If you're Still, listening,
0: yeah. If you're listening, I know you are. You wrote to me the other week, but you um, said please ease up and not. Yeah.
1: yeah, that'd be so hypocritical. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, but no, no, look, it's
1: still decent. I, yeah, look, it's, I'm glad I heard it. Yeah, yeah. That's why... Oh, yeah, it's not know. an unpleasant album. No, no.
0: It's not unpleasant. Um, I'm not disappointed with listening to it. I'm just not probably going to rush but back to yeah, it. Yeah, Swing the Delight was definitely the... Yeah, that, was, that would be my... Yeah, out of the solo albums I've heard so far, that's the one I'm going back to. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Pepper for me. Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah, I, um, I think I gave it a tie of chili, but yeah, ghost pepper. I, I'd agree with that.
0: Yeah. Perfect. So, we come up to the last one of this episode. We have uh, the album cover of Inner Secrets, 1978, with part of the band anyway. Mm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there, are. there we go. We tied it back in. So this is, I think, as you were saying, there's a few photos, of course, of Santana throughout the years on different albums, but I believe this is probably the only one with his... With part of the band,
1: yeah, all applauding, all pointing at Carlos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing, <laughs> Santana.
0: Oh, thank you, Santana. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Thanks. thanks for allowing us to be yeah. on this album. Thanks yeah, for writing help every track my on Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, <laughs> from what I understand, I did a bit of research in regards to this album, but apparently, this is a very dividing album in the Santana community. Uh, as he shifted in style away from that Latin jazz and fusion uh, rock to this, so what are your thoughts in regards to yeah, it? Yeah, this is the
1: album that I got. I mean, I didn't. You know, this is the album that I listened to when it first came out, um, and it's the album that probably made me disregard some of his later material in the next, you know, decade or so because I thought that he'd he'd lost that. Latin, jazz, yeah. fusion, blues style, you know. I mean, he's got a wonderful guitar sound, and he's got this, you know, um, like a lot of great guitarists, I suppose, quite a unique sound himself. Um, mm. But on this, it was just, yeah, you know, um, It's lost. Bop, yeah. Uh, look, he's got Buddy Holly's "Well All Right. That was a big hit for him. Um, mm, yeah. And um, that was covered by Blind Faith <laughs> oh, in okay. 1969 on their one and only studio album yeah right um, Okay. so steve winwood singing that there and uh and they did a good version of well all right it appeared on one or two other albums i think a couple of live tracks um i probably saw them live around about then and they were doing well all right on that um particular tour i mean i wouldn't have heard that song if I hadn't been on the blind faith album because i never heard the buddy holly version until after i'd heard um uh, blind faith okay um but this is the album i wrote where it feels like santana meets toto Yes, yes, yes. I can see that with I can see that with this album in um, particular. Dealer, good acoustic guitar, Spanish style. Yeah, that was a Open invitation is um, that's featured on a few um, I think uh, you know live albums and compilations and so on. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, friendly track. That was one you did here on the radio. Yeah, definitely. Um, Life is a what is it? Life is a a lady and slash holiday (laughs) yeah Um, either that was um, that was excellent um, particularly with Holly with the holiday (laughs) part yeah good beat jazzy instrumentals Um,
0: yeah it's
1: yeah it I think that he was um, probably under pressure here to produce another you know to go more mainstream
0: yeah probably to try and reproduce that sound that he was before but at the same time becoming more commercial yeah I uh, look, this is definitely one of his worst albums, in my opinion. You know where it says that people are divided, I sit on the fence. Where sorry, I don't sit on the fence. I sit on the side that says this is a terrible album. Mm. I guess I'll go in a little bit of a rant here because I wrote some notes considering this is the end of episode two as to uh, what I thought about this album and some of the issues that would be from the future that would stem from the future. I did say, of course, in Shango that it felt like that was where it all started you could probably go all the way back to inner secrets to be honest uh i think in music of course you need to evolve to survive you have to if you're not evolving in music you're going to be stale you're going to stay the same and you're not you're not really going to do anything i mean hell even the ramones to a degree evolved over time so santana had to evolve with his times he can't always stay in that latin rock you know jam ish kind of side Mm uh santana knew this and he wanted to try things he wanted to change with the times and he wanted to try things like disco and that kind of revolution the issue i feel once again looking outside of looking in scenario but the problem i felt that he had was after 10 years of being in a, this band santana had no original members Mm. By this stage, the band was all new members from the Woodstock era lineup, except for carlos so While his previous band members were work colleagues and people in his circles that he probably developed bonds from ages ago these all these were all mostly i guess people from outside look you know from the outside. you probably didn't know them too well, and I guess if you know someone and you've worked with them and you know them very well you you're going to listen to what they have to say. You're going to take it on board, uh, criticism, or whatever, you know, obviously that is why the original albums were well, so they work so well, I should say, but I feel like whatever these musicians were that came in from Inner Secrets onwards, probably didn't push him too much, because obviously Carl Santana is Santana, and it just, the album gets lazy it lacks any focus it is generic disco rock and yacht rock and all the yeah all those bad genres that people associate with that it is this album you know even the album cover lacks imagination (laughs) so i feel
1: this was a cash grab maybe by the record execs but at the same time one of his weakest albums and this is the one that as I said, probably turned me off listening to Santana for quite a few years. Mm. So when future albums came out, I'd listen to a bit of it if I could, but I wouldn't race out and spend my hard earned on it.
0: No, and I could only imagine why you wouldn't. You know, yeah. when you listen to this album, I just—it's not there. I mean it, I've
1: gone back and you know, with with the online, you know, with Spotify, Apple Music, and so on, you can go back and listen to this stuff now. And I've done that with quite a few Santana albums, listened yeah. to ones that I thought I'd never listened to that much, but I yeah. didn't mind what I'd heard. Inner Secrets was one I don't think I ever went back and listened to until I listened to again. <laughs> until I was doing this because I just thought, yeah, okay, I know the track well, all right, and one or two others, but um, yeah, open invitation. But but that's really about it. There was yeah. just nothing else going for yeah. it on this album. Yeah. Oh, There's barely that, anything going for he it. He was being pushed into a, a formula. Um, you know, they were. I, I don't know whether I haven't read about how he met the musicians and how they were replaced and so on. I knew how he lost most of the other ones. <laughs> Yeah, often through drug and um, you know just personality clashes and things like that. But um, um, when I say lost, they didn't die; they just left the band because yeah, they, they, like they drug users in his yeah. band. Um this, he was trying to keep fairly really clean at the time. But um, yeah, this just seems like a bunch of um, you know largely white studio musicians <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, coming in and just you know playing along, and and Carlos would come in and overlay some guitar
0: yeah definitely definitely is yeah. it's a play it safe record yeah it just doesn't push the boundaries the like
1: choice it's- of material you know one chain i think yeah, it's an old song was even then yeah um, you know it's very safe covers even yeah. um i mean it's
0: nothing like the stuff that we'll cover in part three the reasons that really made him yeah uh but yeah it's by the books it's just cookie cutter crap <laughs> like you said, it sounds like Toto. Yeah, this is uh, Santana holding the line, if you will, uh, yeah. in regards to what he will make. So it was unfortunate. I don't like this album. I definitely would rate it a jalapeno. I don't think there's really any redeeming tracks, to be honest, on
1: this album. I gave it a tight chili, but I could go with jalapeno as well. I mean, um, yeah, I'd... yeah, a few of the tracks were okay. Mm. But... You know... <laughs>
0: But are they covers, or are they originals? Well, I don't
1: think much of it's original <laughs> anyway, is it? Um, yeah, probably half the album is covers. Yeah, I mean, there's Life is a Holiday, Life is a Lady and Holiday's um, Santana. Yeah, yeah. Lambert, you know. Um, I, love... I mean, I
0: guess even his earlier stuff was half, pretty much half originals and half covers.
1: Anyway. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with that. I mean, some of the best bands around, you know, did largely, I often did largely under... Um, did largely cover albums, you know, the yeah. Elman Brothers band, which I've mentioned before, and I really love. Um, yeah, they they had some great material of their own, but they also did some fantastic versions of other people's material. Yeah, including course. taking part of Donovan's song. Um, there is a mountain turning into a 35-minute mountain jam. <laughs> okay. Donovan yeah. wrote this little folk song. Uh, Donovan, the English, you know, Scottish-born oh, wow. uh, folk guitarist from the 1960s. You know, Probably a three-minute track, I'm guessing. Because there, guess there is a mountain, then there is, you know. <laughs> and the Allman El- the Brothers took that beat doom, doo, 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 and turned it into, <laughs> into a 35-minute jam, you know, on live at the Fillmore, and then they did it forever and ever until their final oh, show, oh, I think. Oh, wow. Um, And it's just a great, great track, you know, but that wasn't, you know, and they credited it, of course. I mean, it's the Allman Brothers because they wrote, you know, the other part of it, but they also, Leach, which is Donovan Leach, you know, his surname, L-E-I-T-C-H. Ironic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: no, okay. Um, And, you know, they're
1: the Allman Brothers again, Statesboro Blues, that was an old blues track, um, you know, but they made it their own kind of thing. And, um, yeah, many, many bands. I mean, Gary Clapton's and Cream's Crossroads. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Eric Clapton, Just Eric Clapton. Yeah, in Robert, general, Robert Johnson. You know,
0: yeah, um, pretty much a man. Uh, just trying to recapture the sound of Robert Johnson in general. Led Zeppelin again. Yeah, well, they uh, got
1: caught, didn't they, with their hands in the cookie jar a few times. I think trying to more claim whole than a whole lot of love times. for themselves and um, Rolling
0: Stones as well. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. look. I, I think it's unfair to say that. Oh, yeah, you've you've clearly ripped it off. Every artist rips off every other yeah. artist that's come before them. And
1: people like Joe Cocker rarely did his own. He rarely wrote his own material, but he had such a unique voice. <laughs> I mean, he did a much better version of some Beatles songs than the Beatles did. <laughs> I'll
0: side with Joe Cocker on that regards. <laughs> if you've watched the live, live listen recent live listen episode is 5A, you'll see exactly my thoughts in the Beatles. Uh, yeah, but... No, I I I think it's unfair when people do say, Oh, you know, um several rock artists and shit like that they Oh, they sounded like the people before them. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah, that's yeah. who influenced they them. Build. Yeah, they build. You know, build oh them. yeah, of course the Rolling Stones were influenced by the forties yeah. blues scene. But the Rolling you...
1: Stones have influenced a hundred other bands, yeah. at least. You know? And and
0: forties blues scene was influenced by twenties bop. What yeah, do you want to say? Right. Mozart influenced probably rock. <laughs> I mean, shit. If you go far enough back, everyone's influenced Music by just something. Builds
1: on itself, and you know, exactly. Um, Everyone does. Covers. picking up a guitar these days is going to go back at some stage, probably, and listen to the likes of, you know, the heroes from my age, you know, Eric Clapton and um, people like that, Roy Buchanan, Robin Trout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoever they're into, and depends whether they're into blues, rock, or uh, whatever. Well, I think um,
0: even when you're starting off as a musician, the first thing you're going to do is not play your own song. You're yeah, going to yeah. learn to play the song you like. That's right. So... Yeah, of course you're always going to be doing some cover.
1: Yeah, a lot of bands their first album contains a lot of covers, and then Mm. they go into like Creedence Clearwater. uh, They did that. You know, John Fogerty went on to write just about every track they ever did after that. But their first album had a Susie Q and a couple of other standard kind of hit. I put a spell on you was on it. Yeah,
0: that's right. But that's a fine way to show off your skills is like you know this song, we're paying homage to the artist yeah, yeah. that has influenced and we and you will know what we will that's change. you have been
1: playing in little clubs and bars for the last year or two or three. Yeah, know? and some record executive heard you and said, Come in and record some material, you know? Yeah. yeah. Can we do some of our own? Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we only want that cover, that's it, yeah. You know? <laughs> It's a little bit different now, I guess. Everyone's either got ghost writers in regards to what songs they have. Well, or songwriting
1: fact. Well, there always were songwriting factories, weren't they? The, oh, they, they always. In order, yeah. Well, John, I suppose
0: probably one of the most famous ghost writers with uh, was it Tony? Uh, what's it the name of that guy who used to write for him? Oh yeah. Right. Um, Tony. His, his mate. Um... Yeah. Uh, B, I think it began with. Anyway, the ghost writer that he had with. Him. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, just. In regards to that, you know, look, music is an ever-changing world and well, copying and pasting. Turpin? Tur- Turpin? Um,
1: ben- Benny? Bernie? Tony Taubin? Bernie? Bernie? Bernie Taubin or something? Bernie Taubin,
0: that's it. Yeah, hmm. yeah that's it. Hmm. But yeah, look, I mean, Santana built his fame on covers... Uh, mostly hmm. and obviously executing them in such a way that it was almost unrecognisable from the original and that is why his biggest most famous Trap Black Magic Woman uh is so synonymous to his own sound
1: rather than mm-hmm. the original artist. Which he's performed, I read, with Peter Green. Oh, did he have the chance? Wow, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. Okay. Many years ago. That'd wow. be interesting. Well, I mean, that would have made Peter Green rich at that yeah, time. Yeah, well, Peter Green wasn't exactly <laughs> rich to begin <laughs> with right. when he wasn't ripping off his own <laughs> band members. Although, Peter... Well, Peter Green didn't want to be famous and rich. He probably gave the money away. I no, he didn't. Didn't he, Peter no, Green?
0: Peter Green took control of all the band members' money. Oh, and they okay. sued him and kicked him out, I think okay. it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, like, it was way back in the 60s
1: era or yeah, some shit. Yeah, He's yeah.
0: like, oh, give me all your money and I'll look after Peter it.
1: Peter Green was with John Mayall before he formed Fleetwood Mac.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I didn't mind
0: a bit about Peter Green's stuff. It's- oh,
1: Peter Green's Splinter Group. There's a double live album. I'm not sure if it was live at Ronnie Scott's or something like that, but it's a double live album. Mm. And he does Albatross, you know, which was a... Um, pe- um, with Mac instrumental, okay, and uh, it's a really smooth, lovely track. And he does Black Magic Woman, I think, on that album, and a whole lot of other material. I and guess he would have to, wouldn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was the two big songs he was associated with, I suppose. So um, I mean, he, he did did do solo stuff. He had issues himself and was off the air for a long time. Right, right. Um, yeah, but I'd, I'd heard that he was one who uh, he eschewed money. Like he thought, oh, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to make a lot of money. I'm going to walk away from this.
0: I'm pretty sure he he. In the early days, anyway, yeah. before he got kicked out of the band. I'm pretty sure he was um, he was holding the money for all of them.
1: Yeah, okay. And
0: that was, like, one of the reasons they...
1: Well, the royalties from Santana it. would have helped, helped him. him. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Those days when royalties counted.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, that's... <laughs> the only reason I went back and looked at
1: early Fleetwood Mac was
0: after his death, of course, mm, as people mm, do. Because yeah. uh, I thought, oh, well, I don't really know any Fleetwood Mac before... Um, yeah. Before Stevie Nicks, and what they had like six albums before yeah, she they had, joined. Yeah, they Had a they had lot of a albums.
1: albums. Yeah, they had. A, they had a big hit with a song called "Oh Well" parts one and two, or something, or part something one, or something like that. Um, but do yeah. so say when I the only time I've seen Fleetwood Mac was you know in their pretty much current lineup, although Buckingham's left. Mm. Um, but uh, or it was probably in, you know in their more famous lineup um, and more successful. But they did <laughs> "Oh Well." Which oh. I was really pleased to hear. You know, I thought, oh great, they're going to do this song because I remember that track and I liked it. You know, that was. But I thought, oh, they won't do any of the previous. They won't do Albatross. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah.
0: <laughs> well, it's surprising when you see bands like that do that earlier stuff that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. You wouldn't expect. Well, Lindsay to...
1: Buckingham singing. You know, oh well, well, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: what was the other one as well? I mean, talk about bands that you know one band member change uh, brings about an entire change to the sound. Uh, so Steve, Stevie Nicks being one of them, of course, mm. with Fleetwood Mac. The other one I'm thinking of, of course, is Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, their original guitarist, Cyril Slovak dies. Uh, they were a very punk funk kind of group, mm. uh, but then they get in their other guitarist, John Frusciante, and they change it up. You know, their first in, uh, Mother's Milk was a bit different, but they brought in uh, their newer sound, of course, after that. But when I was at their live show, the last one they came out for a couple of years ago now, um, they played uh, Catholic Schoolgirls Rule. Oh, yeah. And it was like from their second album. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it is this unknown track. It's like a one-minute-thirty track, (laughs) and it's literally about sex with Catholic chick girls. (laughs) But I I remember I was just like listening, and I'm like, oh, my God, Catholic (laughs) Schoolgirls! And and I remember... Everyone else in the
1: audience go, what's
0: he on Yeah, and then I remember Doz turning to me after the show and he goes, I bet you were the only
1: one who knew that song.
0: (laughs) 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 So yeah, you know, look, it's surprising when you see bands do uh, songs that I guess they wouldn't be known to be doing in their live performances. Yeah,
1: rehashes of their um, own material.
0: Yeah, and I guess that comes back to Santana. He'll always do covers and it's kind of a surprise to see what he will cover next, I guess. It's what are you going to do what you're an interesting musician what are you going to cover you know yeah look
1: he had a unique in uh, that Latin jazz blues and some rock infusion you know and um, I think he kicked off a whole lot of other you know mm. um, he created uh, a
0: movement pretty much
1: yeah yeah um, los Lobos I think, you know, has some, they're a much harder rock, they're a good band. Yeah, yeah they're, uh, they're more focused on the rock yeah. scene, the rockabilly um, sound. And even bands like, you know, the Black Keys, you can see a little bit of that kind of, um, they're not, you know, Latin jazz or anything like that. It'll, but, um, yeah, I can just see some of, I don't know, that kind of influence, I think. Yeah,
0: there's, a, there's, there's definitely a lot of sounds in regards to what he, well, what he's influenced, I should say. Uh, maybe not so much his 80s material.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think he was trying to be He was trying, he was trying to, trying to catch be someone up. he wasn't.
0: Yeah. Like in the 70s he was he was a trailblazer, but by the time he was in the 80s he was trying to catch yep. up. As was a lot of 70s musicians, as we said at the beginning of this episode. Um, you know, when I look back at this, there's a lot of albums I did not think about listening to. I always thought when it came to 70s artists and their 80s decade, it was always terrible. Yeah. It just is the lull of their careers for a reason, and for most of it, yes, it was a lull at some probably became
1: too famous, too rich, too early.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and this this uh, this review, I'm glad. Look, I'm glad I listened to these albums. I wouldn't say there was one album I was so disappointed to. I I hated to the degree I wish I didn't listen to it. Not <laughs> one, not one. But you know, there's obviously albums that I am not going to go and replay. Shango was one of them, for example. But then there's albums that I was so thoroughly impressed Mm. that I wouldn't have even thought about playing. So I really
1: enjoyed his solo material this time around. And you know, you look at, as I said earlier, um, at least he's bringing out new material and all that, even though some of it may not be as up to standard or as good as. Mm. uh, I mean, he could have probably made himself extremely wealthy. I don't know how wealthy he is, but wealthier. Well, he's wealthy. um, (laughs) You know, by just touring the first three albums for the rest of his career. Yeah, definitely. And just having a band now and going out and playing, you know, a, a selection of those tracks with a couple of extras thrown in, you know, a couple of cover tracks or something, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but um, he didn't, you know, he kept on...
0: He kept pushing on, which is always yeah. a... Look, I, I appreciate the fact that he did, you know, whether or not it was the best of things to do, <clears throat> but I can appreciate what he did. Yeah. But, yeah, look, there's definitely a couple of albums there that I would. I'm glad that I did have a look at in regards to i would probably listen to again hmm. swing, uh, the swing one for example yeah. was an album that i thought was very solid as well as uh z Bop, which an album that i've been hmm. looking at going, that looks like shit." Yeah. i am not going to listen to that and i'm glad i did i yeah. am very glad i did so yeah you know just says here is value is 120 million dollars oh, okay that's probably that us as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just had to Google that because I was just curious as to the value. I thought How accurate be... some of those things are. Yeah, sure, but, um... probably doesn't take into account his assets. His <laughs> thousands of guitars that he owns. But... Yeah. <coughs> oh, sorry. But I think that'll bring about the end of episode two there all right for uh, recording. So, was thank you for joining That's us right. on this uh, Santana-ish episode. Look forward to um, our final... But our final and conclusion... T- to part three, that's gonna be um, that's gonna be a hard one. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. So, of course, uh, probably about six weeks from now, I'd say maybe eight. I'll bring out part three, and that will be the con- the cl- uh, conclusion conclusion <laughs> of Santana's rankings of the albums as we close out the last ones. I think it's from Moonflower to the very first album of Santana. Mm-hmm. So, join us in eight weeks' time when we release that episode. And as always, everyone, you have a great day and make sure to stay spicy out there. See you later. Thank you for watching this video. If you have enjoyed it, please consider liking it and sharing it with your friends. And also don't forget to subscribe to our ChiliCon Carnage crew to stay updated on our newest videos. We're also on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Race. Please join us on those media platforms for all kinds of updates and discussions regarding music. And as always, stay spicy.